Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. We are back on Wednesday night. It is December the 21st of 2022. I am Nick, joined, of course, by Quinn to talk about all your favorite soccer manga that are currently running. Are there yeah. any soccer manga that are currently running beyond this one? I don't know. Captain Tsubasa has got to be in publication still, still somewhere, right? Like some iteration of it. New Probably. Captain Tsubasa. Yeah. Or it's like it, currently airing in some country in a season that's never gotten aired there before. You never know how it goes with certain places. Yeah, I, maybe, I discovered maybe, maybe there's some alternate universe where Fudan is still going and everyone's like, yeah, this series is great. <laughs> Like just finding new ways to stretch out the like sixteen <laughs> chapters that got published. No, no, well, in this universe, it's the new One Piece. It's it's continued ah. for decades, which is astonishing because I think it was like four years ago. But like it preceded that. Like uh, lightning struck. Actually, it was a time uh, paradox ghost writer moment. Someone stole that manga from the past <laughs> to write it like twenty years before everything else, and it's it's just been wild since then. <laughs> Yeah, it was called Blue Lock. Like, that's, that's oh, what happened to Shudan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The timing, I think, actually matches This is a series well. where <laughs> me supposing one of the children should die to add stakes would actually be relatively fitting. Or uh, not, yeah. out, not out of the norm. Not Yeah, not entirely out of left field. Uh, or whatever the equivalent of left field is on a soccer pitch. I don't know, because I don't know enough about soccer bottom terminology. Yo- bottom yoink or some sort of stupid thing like that, right? And because I didn't know shit about soccer going into this manga, I liked it. <laughs> so um, I cannot tell you uh, how well this uh, manga that we're talking about today, Blue Lock, uh, portrays the world of soccer beyond a uh, hyper competitiveness that certain athletes uh, who partake in it uh, experience. But uh, because it very, very straightforwardly uh, kind of deliberately sets up its own set of rules that go against a lot of conventional soccer wisdom, uh, because of that, it uh, kind of allows itself to be much more like shonen manga y than uh, a more accurate or accurate in big quotes portrayal of soccer probably would be. Sorry, I'm saying soccer a lot. I know that we do have an audience outside of the white one country that refers to the sport as soccer. It's like football. Is it like the same way, same thing with uh, Imperial and Metric where there's like two other like small countries that are also like, no, it is also soccer here as well. Thank you very much. You're not entirely on this island alone. All right. Yeah, I know you got our back, Greenland. Oh, I wish it was as big as Greenland. It's got to be something like the Sandwich Isles, also calls it. (laughs) Which countries call it soccer? Let's see. What is this? We're doing research. It says Australia, South Africa, and some Asian countries generally call it soccer. Okay. Okay. There you go. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about the weird ass plot of this? No, let's manga. <laughs> let's delve nothing into the plot and simply go off of vibes. Just so this is a manga that started publishing uh, just over four years ago in the summer of 2018. Uh, <sighs> what a good time! Just just off of the 2018 FIFA World Cup, uh, 
and the entire premise is Jap- Japan can't win a World Cup if the its approach to soccer remains the way that it does. We need to breed selfish ultra-scoring players using a sci-fi facility that separates people from their families and school lives so that they are drilled into having becoming ultra scorers by killing each other symbolically. Uh, but uh, they it's a sports manga combined with like a survival sci-fi uh, sort of premise along the lines of Alice in Borderland or Squid Game. Okay. <laughs> in terms of how it initially sets out, because they don't kill the children. To be very clear, they with that kill their dreams, Quinn. <laughs> it's the same thing. No children die in this manga. I just, I want to. Their stress. lives in soccer end, which is the, <laughs> same, the same as thing. being executed. <laughs> they will never be allowed to play for the Japanese national soccer team, and isn't that just like murdering them? Pretty much, uh, you know, uh, until they reveal later on the Japan national team's not even that good, so you might as well play outside the country anyway. Pretty much. Uh, so, for whatever reason, there is this very passionate member of the like National Soccer Association in Japan who convinces the other board members, no, we need to have this one crazy coach with this absurd method for developing players to take over and we need to fund this massive facility where 300 kids are brought in and they fiercely compete against each other in order to force each other to evolve and grow beyond how they would normally so that we get one player the best striker that the Japanese soccer world has ever seen they are spending easily millions of dollars in order to do this probably tens of millions of dollars i would assume it would this. be in the billions based off the facility itself alone because it's it's pretty which has holograms <laughs> i mean i wasn't even gonna get to that part but it does have like like robot rooms and stuff like that like it's 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 a lot has been put into this place now you may be hearing me talk about this and saying oh so it's very silly Yes, but <laughs> since when has a sports bug of being silly ever made it made it worse? Well, in some cases it does, but that's not a qualifier or anything. You know, it. so I had a lot of fun reading this manga because it does all of the over-the-top shonen sports things where people get super passionate about this one sport and they make very, very determined expressions while pushing their bodies beyond what should be human limits, or at the very least, the limits of what a 14-year-old's bones should be able to hold up under. Uh, and there are a lot of soccer techniques that are on display where a lot of different people have very specialized abilities. Uh, like, you know, there is uh, our main character utilizes observation techniques, so he becomes, so he has to discover, like, uh, how does this allow him to become a top goal scorer uh, when he can't figure it out initially? And it turns out he's really good at doing 
uh, one hits or one touches. I can't remember what they're called, direct but basically, shots. basically like no, no, no time to catch the ball, anything like that. Just kick it straight out of the air for shots. Uh, there are some players that are extremely skilled at dribbling. There are some that are extremely skilled at jumping and, and deploying headers. Uh, some of them just have really powerful long distance shots. And so, all, all, so all these players have very uh, easy to understand and grasp gimmick ab uh, abilities. Uh, and each of them are trying to become the very best by the language that is used is very direct and over the top they need to devour each other in order to be the best soccer player in the world because as each person is playing against all these top competitors they're getting stronger and because they're getting stronger the people they're playing against are also getting stronger and it's like a race to see if you can keep on being strong enough to stay within the competition without getting eliminated by just outpacing everyone else around you uh, and ascending to heights that you wouldn't be able to reach that were if you were completely on your own without all of this training and competition that's going on. Mash all the rocks against each other. Hopefully you get some diamonds, essentially. Yeah, just like Totsuki Institute, Nick. Everyone's favorite. Yeah, I mean, it worked out great. You know, you can't... You can't <laughs> they got like a couple diamonds, you know? Yeah, a few. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, I, the, the entire sort of conceit of this series, uh, and this is the manga's words, not me, is Japan is great at creating a really good midfield and backfield because all their players are very considerate and team players and everything like that. So they have great defense and great passing, <clears throat> but no one has the ego to become a world-class striker out of Japan. And that's the one thing that's going to prevent them from ever being able to win a World Cup. See uh, Leo Kamabesi. Uh, I think that's his name. I don't even know. Uh, but he did great, I hear. So Close enough. For him. Close enough. Uh, so there's this idea like Japan will never do it. So that's what this program is about. And that's how all these kids are brought into this program is the coach you referred to. His name is literally Ego. Is like, I will bring you to the highest field but you have to want this. He invites 300 people to this thing, and he's like, hey, you're going to be in this training program. It's going to take months. Uh, it's going to be pretty dangerous, and like, there's a lot of challenge to it. But all 300 of these kids, who are all strikers, are lured into this program because they're like, fuck yeah, I want to be the best striker. And then the series kind of has to forget about that point because, unfortunately, that's not how soccer actually works. And, no. like, four motherfuckers on each team are like, yeah, I'll play goalie in defense. And it's just, yeah. there's a lot of, like, small conceits that this series has to constantly work around its own premise to be like, look, it's just, it's fine. But then later on, they also introduced that this facility just has hologram goalies that they could have just always been used could have just used those at the beginning could but, have very easily but some dumb motherfucker on each team is just like yeah i know i was brought here under the express presence of i want to be the best striker in the world but fuck it i'll be goalie for a little bit and if we lose i guess we're just kicked out of this program forever. Much. oh look i know that my position is striker and we're playing against all the best strikers uh, our age in the country and uh, I've only ever played, you know, goalie when I'm playing with like my little brother, uh, but I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> How hard <laughs> could it be? 
which, as I said, it's a conceit they work through, but it also ends up being one of the better things because because it's a series that is entirely about strikers. You get exciting soccer matches all the time because every yes. match is like four to five, which is not <laughs> soccer. And no, there's no like, what a graceful 1-0 score with a lot of yeah. diligent defensive passing to keep the game going. It's all just like, it was 17 to 19, eat shit, nerds! Right. I love that it gives itself an excuse to avoid what every person who doesn't like soccer would you cite as the reason for not enjoying the matches in this. It's like, oh, okay, so they played to a 0-0 draw and you're saying it was a good game? <laughs> Instead, no, there's scoring like happening like every two minutes or something along the something absurd like that. The the stretch where there's the um I forget what it's called. The the second selection exam, mm-hmm. I think it, it is, where it's they start off with like teams of three on three plus a, a holographic goalie, and then they you either you either go up uh, to to four on four or down to two on two, all that stuff, and you play until one team reaches five. Is some of the most exciting goddamn shit I have seen in a sports manga because it's always just like you know for a fact like this is going to go to be either over in an instant or it's going to be nail-bitingly close every single time there's none of this room for oh there will eventually be a timeout it's like no one team has to score five goals on the other team in order to win it's a it is designed to for there to be a lot of scoring uh and it helps you know the chapters be paced incredibly well because that essentially means oh each chapter, maybe every two chapters, is all about how one of the teams puts all the pieces together and scores a goal. And it feels like a big, exciting thing has happened before you move on to the next leg of the match. And of course, because you have to score that many goals, that means hey, the matches between two different teams last a relatively significant period of time without overstaying their welcome. And they're paced very, at a very exciting, fast-paced action. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's probably as of where I'm at in the the manga. It is probably the best stretch of chapters. I don't think any of those matches are the best match I read, um, but it's probably one of the most exciting. Not entirely because we shed the weight of of admittedly pretty boring and like bottom heavy team Z to like, here are like cool characters (laughs) with like techniques and like maybe some personality if you're lucky. Um, But it also just like, it's a relatively unpredictable stretch of time in the manga. Like it, it, you really can't call how these matches end because it, it goes on longer than you think. And because there's like opportunities to get back into it afterwards, like, you know, the characters you follow could lose because that's okay because they still have a chance later on. Maybe their team will be different and it shakes things up quite a bit. Um, one thing I will say about this manga, look, this is a thing that you can say about a lot of sports shown in manga. There's like no women. <laughs> I actually think this is an excellent move on the manga's part uh, because it is a big problem that I think a lot of like male centric sports manga have 
is that like there seems to just be like a difficulty writing and creating space for women. So the series gets around it by just not having any. Just zero. There's no girls there. There's one. There's one character. I think her name is Ari. She does nothing. She doesn't do a single fucking thing yep. in this manga. She gets to occasionally appear on cover spreads in like a bikini and you're like, sure, whatever. Pretty much. <laughs> like, I'm, yep. I'm s- zero knowledge or context for this character she just exists in a space she's the <laughs> she's just there to for, so occasionally for ego to have a normal person to bounce yeah, off of there needs, while he makes observations there that's needs kind of it there needs to be someone around when ego gives another one of his shitty fucking speeches to be like "Ooh, <laughs> ah. oh my god sometimes some of the stuff ego says is interesting purely because i'm so used to the way that uh sports manga presents you know the concepts like oh we've got to you know find the heart of this team and stuff and he's just like no fuck all that be a selfish motherfucker because you have to be the best scorer and then when you end up on a team then all of the scoring will be channeled through you and you'll make your team better by being a selfish motherfucker so forget all that stuff forget all the oh past first shit that you've been learning some of that is interesting there is a chapter where, without getting too spoiler heavy, uh, our main character, uh, it's Yuichi Isagi. Uh, Isagi suffers a setback where like, uh, he comes very close to winning a big important match, but because of the way something comes out, he loses it. And it seems like it all comes down purely to luck. Uh, and Ego spends... The entirety of a chapter explaining there is no such thing as luck because there are random things that happen, but there are ways that you could put yourself in a position to take advantage of things that a person who is who does not make their own luck would not. And he goes on about pigeons shitting on the sidewalk and how a lucky person doesn't get shit on because they see the shit on the sidewalk and know to stay away from where the shit on the sidewalk is. And goes on, he keeps on going back to this example. And it's like, dude, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Come, th- just say that. I feel like it's so much easier. Well, also, like his example of luck isn't even luck. He's just like, yeah, it's, it's like unlucky when a bird shits on you. Like... Is it did, like if there's bird shit on the ground, you get shit on? It's not like you know, there's a real dumb motherfucker who has to be like, no, unlucky me. Is they're surrounded by? No, bird you see, shit. that's the point: is that you're not taking advantage of the information around you. What? what by not trying hard? Yeah, <laughs> so it, you it don't is. Happen to see it. The, the thing that they're trying to get at is that what we call luck is not actually luck because it is usually a determination of factors and somebody seeing the the sort of scene as it comes out around them, and that's not actually luck it's 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 sort of a careful execution of everything around them uh which is fine like that's great but the entire thing is framed as just like it was like a lucky thing instead of ego just being like yeah, it wasn't really luck <laughs> it's yeah. like i don't know he has so many like stupid speeches that annoy me and i hated him i i hated ego with every stretch of my being this manga ends with Someone a character needs to come along <laughs> And, and prove him wrong on one point. Just one point he needs to be wrong on. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you like the characters in this series, Nick? Some of them I liked. Uh, they're very archetypical in terms of, you know, a lot of them have like a single character trait because it's a matter of like, okay, you know, this person doesn't talk. 
oh, this person's very, very, very nervous. Uh, like the main character, Isagi, like he's just kind of like a guy who's trying to find his identity. Uh, he's interesting to follow because he's just so determined and he's willing to unmake himself. It's in, in order to keep on progressing. Um, but a lot of them are pretty straightforward and simple. And a lot of it seems a lot of their traits seem to be set up purely to just kind of make big dramatic moments. That said, there are certain moments that I do really, really enjoy in this. Uh, there is a guy. Uh, I'm so bad at some of the names of this because like they just kind of like, you know, I, I, I recognize them more by their faces. Than yeah. I don't think we lost Nick there for a moment. Nope, maybe he's doing a bit. There's like a long face he's making. Yeah, yeah, he's very, he's got a, he does have a long face. Oh no, I was like referring to you. Sorry, you you glitched out on my end and oh, <laughs> it was sorry, a static sorry, shot. Sorry. I was just filling space. Yeah, there's a there's this like tall guy with a almost a pompadour that. Uh, oh, Barrow. Yes, Barrow. Yeah, I like him because he's just the worst <laughs> i like him uh for one big reason uh he's the only character with whom we get to spend time with him outside the game and see like oh he has layers yes. to a personality <laughs> and everyone else who just exists to be their one thing all the way through so i did yeah. appreciate that we got to see him and he's like no i'm like a like dedicated studious like neat freak and it's like he's oh very judicious and he's and he's always like scolding people for not keeping their living space in order and it's like oh i kind of just thought this was a huge egomaniac <laughs> yeah you're like okay that's good you know I appreciate uh it. i also quite like uh bachira uh because i just i just want isagi to notice how he feels okay because, look, I've never been big into the whole the whole thing of like, oh, sports, sports manga teammates that they, they clearly love each other shipping kind of stuff. Bachira and Isagi, I just hope that they end up happy together in some form or another. Like, I don't even know how to necessarily be romance. Bachira explicitly says he wants to keep getting better because he finally found someone in Isagi that gets him and that he can play with. And I just want that for him so badly. Is do you prefer that over the other ship of Ren, who was like, "I found this person first, and then they blossomed and evolved past this crappy relationship, and now he's just bitter and fucking angry oh, about uh, it." Rayo, Rayo, yeah, Rayo Mikage, I think. The yeah, I, I actually do really like that. <laughs> I was like, this is as straightforward of like a bad breakup where one side oh, way outscaled the other one and he wasn't expecting it. And he just spends the entire rest of the series just I'm going to prove him wrong. It. I'll show him for I'll show him for dumping me. How dare he dump me? I made him. Yeah. He's just like, no one would have known this person if not for me. You're like, my guy, uh, you don't own a person like this. I'm sorry. He's found people. He's found better relationships since he's, he's left got, you. <laughs> but, he's got a much healthier life without you in it. And yeah, when he tries to tell him to his face, like, I don't like you anymore. He's just like, no, he just doesn't get it. No. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so there is enough characterization in this that at least when the characters uh, clash against each other, not just in terms of the sport, but in terms of personality, it's, you know, enough to keep you interested in how things will unfold dramatically. Like, uh, going back to Barrow, a big thing is that, you know, he's an incredibly talented player, but uh, Isagi finds himself in a situation where he's got to play with him as a teammate, and Barrow is a giant ball hog. He's got the understanding that, look, this is a huge, you know, strikers competition. We were judged in the first round on our ability to score goals more than our team's winning. So I've got no reason to want to work together with you guys. And he has spent his whole life thinking like, I'm the best at soccer. No one else is as good as me. So I'm not going to trust you guys with anything. And they go into a match and it's like, well, how are they going to deal with this guy? He's extremely talented, but he will not cooperate with them. And the way it unfolds is amazingly dramatically satisfying because it goes through a couple of twists and turns that I did not seem coming. But if they had not played out the way they had, it would not have been fun because you would have had to ruin it. We would have had to ruin one of the characters involved in the team if things hadn't turned out the way that they did. Yeah, uh, he's a character who goes from like being like the scary, omnipresent sort of like rival figure during the first part to then gain a lot more context. And it makes for an entertaining um, uh, character. I don't want to say arc. <laughs> He doesn't no, he doesn't have an arc. He doesn't change. I guess character. He goes in an journey. arc where he's like, I was right, but I need to be even more right now. He's like, wait a minute. Everyone does suck but me. And, and that's just, why I have to be even worse. And then worse. he wins. <laughs> he's like, yeah, everyone fucking sucks except me. I do it. Uh, well, I, I think I might have mentioned this briefly earlier. This manga does some things, like I said, that... I appreciate it doing because it, they are in strict defiance of how you expect sports manga to play out. The very first chapter uh, introduces uh, a character that at that point is clearly leagues ahead of Isagi in terms of talent. Uh, but prior to them joining Blue Lock, he beats Isagi's team in the tournament that they're in. He's like already a recognized famous player when he's only like 14 years old he gets interviewed by the media and he's like oh he's like gonna be this big hope for japan he gets put in the same grouping as isagi and the very first test that they have is this game of a uh, hot potato essentially with a soccer ball where the last person to touch the ball is at, at, after like 10 minutes or something is just immediately eliminated from the competition no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you're the last person who touched the ball, you're out. He gets the ball kicked into his face at the last possible second by Isagi, and he just has a complete utter meltdown. He's like, I'm better than all these people. One of these talentless losers deserves to get out of here and not me. And he's kicked out of the Blue Lock program after he's been built up as this big rival character for Isagi to set his sights on, and he never shows up again. <laughs> he's just gone forever in, like, Chapter 3. <laughs> so, for the sheer shock value of that, I incredibly admire that that choice. Uh, it gives you a sense that, like, no, this is going to be different, and it keeps on surprising you with things that are sometimes just goofy, 
Uh, and sometimes things there just, you know, take a dramatic turn where you expect it to go left when it goes right. Uh, so it's as a sports manga fan, this was different enough, uh, executed well enough. It's got great artwork and nice, exciting moments that I quite enjoyed going through this manga. I get to be the villain. Yeah! I, I like this manga. I think it is fun. There are good matches. The U20 match <clears throat> is sort of the last thing I got to read. That's the last thing that's been fit, uh, published in like the English volumes. It's like a really like entertaining match. Uh, there's a lot of things going. It is probably the most entertaining match thus far uh, for basically the reason that at least one team they're playing is like a full team <laughs> and like yeah. not just a bunch of strikers. Uh, but it's like a full game and there's a lot of twists and turns. Uh, and like, I was thinking, I was like, wow, this is really good. And then I got to the end and I was like, this is, I don't know how to phrase it. There's an energy to this series. Uh, particularly when characters are like doing their cool thing and they're like going to the next level, entering flow, scoring their big goal, whatever it might be. Right. That I, it, it is deeply embarrassing to watch. <laughs> Every time a character, their eyes will turn black, their face will get... It has all of the energy of a 12-year-old who is angry on fucking, like, Call of Duty that you're just like, sure, dog. <laughs> it's gonna be real cool that you're screaming this much about this. Like, I was like, this is the exact opposite. Like, every time something cool is about to happen, a character has to show up and be like, get out of my way, the face! I'm going to be the devourer here! And you're like, come, like, does no one else see this? Like, there's a character we get introduced to whose name is Rin. And he is, like, he is, from when he is introduced, the best player in Blue Lock. He, he, he carries that title all the way through the point that I'm doing. He is the number one ranked player. He's mm -hmm. better than everybody else. And he's sort of, like, this quiet, aloof player. He gives a lot of, like, uh... Uh, Taka from from the Alexander's kind of energy, like very like yeah. I am just above all of you, and I don't care what you guys do. Which is why he teams up with two of maybe the most annoying characters in the manga, but we don't have time to talk about them. Just one of them talks like the fucking Mark Zuckerberg oh clone from South Park. <laughs> That's just like Stoyle. Um, he just has that kind of like energy to him. And then like you get into this match where he's like, I'm gonna be the big. Uh, character and all of this uh, because my brother is in here and that's my entire character personality which is a really poorly written story <laughs> unfortunately that was like one of the biggest disappointments in the manga for me I was like this is why he hates his brother so much this sucks um, but I was like whatever I can just ignore it like there's this characters with bad stories uh, he is feeling like he's being left behind so he enters the flow which is you know the just the, the 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 manga's term for like getting uh, ultra instinct activating exclusively off of just pure you know animalistic he's in the zone yeah <clears throat> um his version of it is for his tongue to flop out of his mouth his eyes to go narrow and for everyone to say he's having a fetish for destroying people and you're like this is deeply deeply embarrassing to read like i don't know how anyone else like i had to check i asked her discord i was like when you see an image like this how do you feel about a soggy because i was really like maybe everyone's in on this joke that like this is just so silly like you're just laughing at it and everyone's like i think this is really cool and i was like you know what all right i got my answer 
I am not, <laughs> I've not been able to buy in on this. Every time it happens, I think Isagi looks very sad. I also don't like Isagi as a character. He just doesn't have as much, like, personality. He doesn't, in a series where everyone pretty much has the same motivation, you stop really getting a ton of investment in him for me. Uh, and, like, anytime he goes in his, you know, super ultra observation mode, uh, it just doesn't read as cool to me. So I think this series is good. I just think there is, like, an abrasive edgelord sort of attitude in this series that does not come off as cool and for me is very, like, you know, uh, uh, wary-inducing, I guess. Like, every time I see it, I'm just like, okay. So... I appreciate Blue Lock. I will continue to read the volumes probably as they come out. Um, but I like after I read this, I was like, okay. Well, like I think to Blue uh, Haikyuu, where I'm like, that was a sports manga that after I read it, I'm thinking about it in like moments of my life where I'm not even thinking about it in the context of volleyball. Like that's how significant that series was in terms of like its message and characters and things like that. And then I'm like, I guess when I think of a soccer match. Every so often, I'll be like, oh, sure. yeah, Blue Lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I have to, I mean, I totally get you. Because of the context that Blue Lock established itself in, there is, it is, like, impossible to get anything from it except soccer, 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 soccer. Because they are very specifically stripping themselves of any and all possible distractions and focuses outside of get good at <laughs> kickball. Uh, they can't go out and have a casual fun time together and get to know each other as people. No. Yeah, we're, we're going to sleep and, there and prepare is, for the match that we have tomorrow. There is zero downtime in this manga. Like It is astonishing at times. And I feel like uh, if there were some of that, this would definitely ascend past, oh, I had a really fun time reading this. Uh, there are so many sports manga I like better than this, but I might, it might just be that I was starving for a decent, <laughs> decently yeah. illustrated and paced sports manga. It's been so long since I've read a good one that maybe I'm in my mind exaggerating this a little bit, but in terms of what this manga does do, I did definitely enjoy it. Yeah, this is a very uh, popular series, so, you know, yeah. it just had a big anime Don't know if and... the Japanese soccer team knows what the manga says about Japanese soccer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of, like, criticism and things like that that I'll be curious to see if, uh, <laughs> if like, it gets addressed at some point. Because the manga is basically just like, yo, it sucks to play soccer in Japan. Does this fucking blow? This fucking stinks, dude. We were like cool blossoming flowers and then they fucking cut us down. This blows zero out of ten. Would not recommend. Um, also, this is like a last thing I want to do because this has really bothered me. Uh, so when we get introduced to our main character, our first group of characters, they're Team Z. Uh, and this is when they mentioned they play 11 on 11, but like one dude on the team, they, they go through all their different, like, special abilities, and one dude's like, I'm an all-rounder, so I, I guess I'll play goalie, question mark, or whatever. And um, I, I sat the entire time, I was like, why does this motherfucker choose to, like, I know why he has to for this series, but I'm like, he entered into this competition to play goalie. I was like, maybe we're gonna get an answer for that at some point in time. 
No, he <laughs> they passed the first round. He gets eliminated in the second exam off screen, and we haven't seen him since. So maybe like. <laughs> 200 chapters in the line he'll show back up again and explain why he was just the one dude who was just like i know i entered into this competition to be the best striker in the world but i just decided i fucking i'll play fucking goalkeeper for my entire section in it i mean there's like a very brief thing in one of the volume extras i think that ex- that shows like which guys he teamed up with at that stage but it's like, and then they lost. And that's yeah, just they're all gone. It. You never get to see what he can do. Like, yeah, because of the nature of having to have 11 people on on a soccer team, there are some people who are in that group that they play with that you just don't see what they're about, like, at, at all. Uh, I think, And he is one of them. And I was right there with you thinking, like, this, this, there's this goalie guy who kind of like assumes the role of like the team captain after a certain point. I wonder what he's about. I wonder what we'll get to see from him as a striker. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I guess my favorite point is there is a match later on where Asagi has to fight one of his former teammates, and like it was yeah. like a big reveal, like who's the other person on this team that he has to face, and like it's one of the members of Team Z. And I literally sat just like. Oh this guy <laughs> i have no idea who this character is it's just not very good i mean that's kind of the point is that he's yeah. also just not very good yeah given given that but yeah there were a bunch of weirdos on team z so it's like oh here's the guy with the weird eyes who does headbutts and stuff here's the guy that fucking cheated <laughs> i can't believe dude to show back up because they were like nope he's gone he lost i have to assume i have to assume because they they do establish at one point in time uh because a character we do actually uh seemingly have some care about gets seemingly eliminated but we see that they have an opportunity to do something else so i wonder if that plays in later on i have not i've not read this entire series i think 22 volumes of this manga are out and i think 16 are available in English right now so there is a stretch I don't some stuff might happen there maybe characters do show up or they're planning to show up at some point um but like he was definitely one where you're like I feel like we didn't finish this character story <laughs> like I feel like he cheated became a hero for a hot moment and then just got fucking kicked off off screen somewhere yep well but one of the fucking twins made it through. So, you know, you get that. Yeah. One of the twins. What a weird, yeah, way of addressing that kind of gimmick. Oh, all right. Yeah. So pretty, pretty strong thumbs up for me. And you're just going to like, eh. so I, 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 I will still, I still give it a thumbs just, up. I still give it a thumbs yeah. up. It is a fun sports manga. And I am probably in the minority with this series. I said it's very popular. Um, thinking it's cringy <laughs> i was trying not to use the word cringy uh but yeah i mean you know he calls the legs to see them <laughs> all right guys we got some manga to talk about this week uh let's see if we can figure out where what happened last week while we're while we're going about it we're gonna start with undead unluck yeah chapter number 140 well you should be on the forefront that like we didn't have a chat uh, an episode last week uh and went into this week saying like oh man this is gonna be like a lot so what's just not do last week um so we won't be talking about my hero uh one piece uh spy family any of the chapters that mm-hmm. basically came out we're not really going to recap last week uh eden zero and we're not going to really recap last week's chapters either uh because if we do 
this episode would go on forever and my animals eventually do demand me to feed them um so we can't do that unfortunately uh but yeah my blame car- quinn's blame quinn's <laughs> yeah you, fuck you professor Pitts. uh but send I, your hate mail i will say character of the week was 100 percent mash last week i don't know who else it could be i guess henderson you bet fair you. enough uh maybe it would just be chapter of the week mashal and then character uh henderson i don't know all right well <laughs> I tried my, to, my, memory I, gr- my memory has grown. My memory has grown increasingly <laughs> short term as we've done this podcast. I can't remember what happened. I was last trying week specifically. I so. was trying to help out Ninja as like a very like detailed spreadsheet of everything, and I know it's just going to be infuriating to be like, wait, I don't get to fill in that week. Can uh, we can we just say that I got the wrestler right last week? Then can we just do that? No, now it creates the ultra mega tension because you're up three to two, and there's two weeks left. So if you lose this week, it all comes down to next week. So that's that's oh. the mega tension. All right, under yeah, luck. Pressure well. Uh, number one hundred and forty metamorphal, uh, and our color page is about uh the anime again. Uh, we get to see Void in 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 full color, and I love that at some point like. The voice actor is going to come in to be like, oh, cool. Do I show back up? And they're like, yes. Like, fucking three seasons from now, we're going to meet you back. Um, So they're beginning the, the so plan. clear your calendar. Yeah. <laughs> they're beginning the plan to capture Autumn. Uh and they get there. They already, I believe, last week is kind of where they started to to go through the plan. And Fuko is just like, yeah, I'll just get stabbed and you go into my book and you'll get a lot stronger as a result so uh fuko's like yeah i'm doing it now i'll be using the soul caliber the rest is up to you so she uh rings out uh gina using obviously nightmare who had a lot of uh blunt sweeping attacks it was very easy to ring people out with him uh i'm talking about soul caliber oh okay the video game everyone's favorite um And we actually get to a flashback where Fuko explains, like, hey, in the last loop, I killed you. And Gina's like, wait, weren't we on the same side? And Fuko's like, yeah, I f- it's complicated, but, like, I needed to tell you this. I'm like, I wanted to be up on, you know, the forefront about this because it wouldn't be fair. Like, once you've entered the book and you've seen my past, you can decide whether or not you want to help us out. And so whatever decision you make, I will accept it. Uh, Autumn is doing their attack that like turns everybody into books. So to defend Gina as she enters the book, uh, we just see uh, Nico throw out a bunch of shit. Basically, like, all right, these things will get turned into books. They look like giant sugar cubes. I think they're just giant cubes. Uh, but it it basically gives the space now for for Gina to get into it, and we do see her go back into the scenes she saw before, uh, or the scenes we saw before. Which is Fuko arriving at the lake and and meeting Gina and they just had like a friendly conversation at first and you know our current Gina is watching us from afar. She gets a little embarrassed. She's like, "Wait, how old was I at this point? I'm still dressed like a schoolgirl. What the fuck's going on?" Uh, but she's like, "Wow, these two look like they're having fun." Does Fuko really kill me? And then she sees like how crazy powerful she became and. You know, the tragedy of that whole moment and then her eventual death from afar. And she's like, ah, I see. Fuko and I both love the same person. And she follows 
afterwards to the point most people are told to kind of this like this is where you should probably start on dead on look actually is in this scene right here um where fuko and andy kind of talk about everything that just happened in like a, a little uh bar or whatever uh and she's like ah you know she you know just killed me a few minutes ago but and then Another person's like, oh, man, she's really bawling her little eyes out. I don't know if she's going to be able to make it down the line. And it's Gina. Gina's ghost is there. The Gina that died because in the past. Ghosts exist because ghosts exist now. Yes. So it makes sense. It has a ghost. Yeah. Um, And she's just like, wait, what the hell's going on? Uh, She's like, wait, the uh, uh, past Gina, I don't know what you'd call her, ghost Gina, is like, wait a minute, she sees, you know, current Gina, and she's like, the beret, the freckles, are you past me? How did this happen? She's like, oh, well, there was a loop, and I've come back here to learn from you. And she's like, oh, really? Nah, fuck that, I'm not teaching you squat. And she's like, wait, no, I that have sounds to... like work. It sounds difficult. Yeah. And she's like, wait, I have to save everybody. She's like, why would I do that for a little ducky? Because she, she mentions like, oh, what, this is for Juez? And she's like, no, actually, it's it's for Fuko there. She's like, yeah, fuck it. I don't, I don't fuck that guy. And she's like, oh, hey, you can't be going around wearing a baggy jacket. You got to wear something else your size or you can't flaunt your curves. And and Gina's just like, well, no, Fuko said this is a good luck charm. <clears throat> so goes Gina's like, all right, show me the line. She opens it up. There's a little message in there, basically. And uh, we just see Ghost Gina is just like, all right, you got me, little lucky. Fine, I'll teach you everything using the trick. Uh, it's basically just like a little message of like uh, me on one side and Daddy Dearest on the other one. It's like, okay, acknowledging mm-hmm. that that person existed. So she's like, all right, here's how you do it. You control on change with your heart. No logic required, just catch that person i want to protect that person do all those things and it'll bring the change to unchange and she's like so you gotta have presumably the conversation continues off screen uh because she just says you have to have someone like special to you right now and courage is just like i do it's fuko she's the first friend i've ever made and yeah so pure yeah gina's just like all right then protect her with everything you have and remember a friendship formed between two ladies who were once at each other's throats will remain unchanged till the end of time and beyond as as current gina kind of floats out of the book uh at that point the the fences against autumn have kind of started to crumble they're all out of material to like throw at them but that's okay because gina's shown up and uses her unchanged to stop Autumn in his tracks. And she says, thanks, everyone, for believing in me. I won't let you change anything I hold dear. That's what my unchange is. She has her, her fang now is very pronounced because she's her character is completed. Yeah. And she's got a cool mantle as well that like sweeps out around her. She looks cool. Yeah. And she got her uh, funky hat as well. <laughs> Yeah, her beret expanded. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's she always had like that big giant hat before. So yeah, now yeah. now we know how she gets it because it's like a little umbrella over her head, just like the little drawing in a jacket. This is a fine chapter. Like I yeah. wish we had gotten two chapters out of this in one. It does feel a little fast, but it was fun. Uh, it, it it was kind of fast paced, but uh, in terms of like kind of getting us where we need to go, we I think spent enough time with Gina 
to make it feel like, oh, this is nice. It's nice that she got to go through this and that, hey, you know, this it does kind of give a a sense of it's an early sense of like, OK, you know, some of the things that, you know, you would have wanted to happen from reading through the series previously that you're not going to get to see happen. Maybe that that can happen now because, yeah, now Gina and Fuko get to be cool friends who work together yeah. instead of, you know, Gina dies in chapter eight. <laughs> Yeah, it it is very much appreciated that we get to see a lot more about this character. Um, I, we should also note, I forgot to mention it, we're just not talking about Ichinose's last chapter. Uh, so you could take that to mean what it means in regards to adding it to the recap. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's no, not happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a little girl inside a cyborg boy's head and goofy stuff happened. There's your chapter recap i don't i don't remember I, all right nick I, I, we got I, to I, vote for it is it staying in the recap i feel like it I, should i mean if you want me to stumble blindly through it and just <laughs> I, hate I'm, life it's not gonna be fun it's <laughs> not gonna be fun i'm sorry so yeah but speaking of things that are arduous for me to go through let's talk about boruto um <laughs> All right, it's chapter 76, A Girl's Sanctuary. It features a color page with Ida as the cover. Where are her arms? I don't and know. It's in her fancy Alle- jacket. Allegedly. There could be arms in there. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be I crazy? See- like her new powers, like, I don't need arms. Look, I don't really see evidence that she has shoulders, is all I'm saying in this picture. I'm more concerned All with right. her hair that doesn't seem to have ends. It just seems to be like infinite loops it that back, <laughs> back into it. That loop back into themselves. That's so secret. It just it just goes back around into her head. <sighs> her <laughs> her and Joe Terrell are gonna share hair tips, but it's gonna be in an alien language no one else can understand. <laughs> uh last time we left off with Boruto experiencing some form of vision, which also Momoshiki experienced uh, because they are attached and stuff. There's <laughs> a conversation that's happening between Naruto and Amado and Shikamaru, and they just kind of recap some of the basic information that was shared in the previous chapter about how Delta came about because of <coughs> trying to resurrect his dead daughter, Akebi. Uh, Shikamaru thinks to say, hey, so Ida, what kind of a person was this Akebi, the original? Would she be a danger to Konoha? And I was like, I don't know. She seemed like just like an ordinary girl. So I don't think that she would have been a threat to you guys. And I was like, hey, why? Come on. on. I'm just trying to get my dead daughter back. Come on. She was like, I mean, I still don't really trust you. Also, to be honest, this is a quote. This reveal was quite anticlimactic to me. <laughs> so, um, no comment. Um, just gonna literally let the manga speak for itself. And uh, maybe occasionally, maybe just like turn this panel into an exploitable image and just use it in my everyday life from now on <laughs> whenever I want to. Uh,. Amado brings up that he did certain things because, you know, 
Kawaki doesn't like karma and he feels like he was forced into it. And Kawaki kind of like just decides to go through some character development in this one moment and just like, well, I've always hated karma, but now I realize that the true cause of all my suffering was the Yotsutsuki who put the karma in me. Can wait, I, wait, wait a you minute. Came to that conclusion. Cool. Maybe I should hate the people who have done the injustice to me as opposed to the injustice itself. Oh, I'm starting to get this now. It's like, all right, I'm glad that you had this moment of revelation that was sparked by. Anyway, Kawaki (laughs) asks Amato a question. uh, And he says, all right, so this daughter that you plan to resurrect with my karma. Do you swear she won't turn into some new Otsutsuki? You pinky promise you won't do it. If you promise and swear, I'll believe you. But you have to swear, okay? So, Amado gets emotional. You can tell he gets emotional because he very slowly takes his glasses off and he presses his hands to his face and cups his head so you can tell he's being very sincere when he talks about this which is this is my final option and everyone's like oh oh man he's being so sincere right now i mean i I legitimately enjoyed this moment uh, for the sake that it's like a real human expression of emotion happening and for a series which is so frequently involved in discussions of alien resurrection and cyborg love mechanics. Like it was just kind of nice to have a character speak to like a human emotion you could understand. I just wish that this had come up in a different context because for me, it doesn't feel like it fits in right now. Well, that's I the, definitely understand your point. That's the thing but. about Boruto. I feel like I'd enjoy it if everything else was different as well. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I exist in the world we, we are in. Uh, so everyone kind of just like gets awkward and decides to end the conversation. Uh, so everyone goes to bed uh, uh, in the big house that Ada and Damon are sharing with Boruto and Kawaki. But while Boruto is in bed, he is, you know, having troubled thoughts about the premonition that he had. Uh, Ida and Kawaki are chilling. And Ida, there is actually kind of a cool little bit of panel arrangement so that, you know, she's just kind of like in bed, just like awake, thinking to herself. But like her eyes kind of gaze through one panel into her obviously like spying on Kawaki with her ability in another room. It's like, all right. Neat little thing. She's watching Kawaki, even though they're not in the same room together. Do you like the sound effect going on in the background? (laughs) (laughs) Does that enhance the scene for you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, then I have breakfast next. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is such a stupid moment. Boruto says while they're having breakfast the next day hey Ida <laughs> so, so you want to date Otsutsuki right so does that mean that you're into me too because I'm immune to her ability why would you be into Kawaki when you could be with this guy right <laughs> I love it because it's the only moment where I like David he's like he just becomes a rose guy he's like have you ever looked into a mirror 
<laughs> you look like what? a freak. You're what? so ugly. What the mouth of fucking pancakes? <laughs> It's just like the most obnoxious stand-up comedian, just like I hate that. I think you should take a look at a mirror and you get the answer to that question. <laughs> Emma, Emma, your head looks like a broom. <laughs> oh my god! So Ada says, "Oh, you're wonderful too, Boruto, but I'm sorry, you're only twelve, and I'm sixteen already." And Boruto, like, she's like that. He starts to, I guess, get self-conscious because he's like, "Oh, but come on, shouldn't age not matter?" And Damon's like, "You're ugly," (laughs) which I think Kawaki is thirteen at most. So I guess that's a very important distinction for Ada. It's like, no, 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 three years younger than me. I'm all over that. Four years. That's just gross. Come on, I'm not. He's fourteen, Nick. Oh, I'm so sorry. I looked it up on the Google. They said 14. So, I mean, that's a sizable difference. It's the difference between when like, you're that age, yes. being like a high school junior and dating a freshman or dating like a seventh grader is a pretty like, I don't know, in my, our context of like Americans, it's, you know, significant. Four years. It's also four years is a big difference for a teenager. Yeah, yes. It, it also is like. Yeah, the age difference is crazy. Not like we're going to address the elephant in the room where my power allows nope. adults to fall in love with nope. me. But nope. Forces. Not about not allows, about but forces. Look, look, just because it comes up very bluntly later on doesn't mean we have to talk about it. So. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Kawaki notes like some stuff about like, hey, you know, you were working with code before. And you used him to get close to me, and he hates me, and I'm also he wants to feed me to the ten tails, but he said he would not go after me because of his deference to you. You sold Boruto out to code, didn't you, in order to secure my safety? Because that your alliance would never hold under that kind of agreement, right, Ada? And Ada is just like not even like paying attention to anything that he's saying because she's like, oh, my God, Kawaki's talking to me. Oh, my God. And Kawaki goes, your face says I'm right. <laughs> like he's six he's reading her. <laughs> I wish this is always Ada's character where like she doesn't have the ability to engage in like a proper conversation. because no. She's just so much of just a lovesick teenager. It's when she's at her best. Uh, it's when she, she has to start yeah. monologuing and she's like, I'm done. I think even David uh, has to be like, you've got brains there, buddy. Despite <laughs> your looks, everyone's ugly but me. <laughs> you uh, should get a Bor- bowl cut. Boruto gets increasingly pissed off about how he's just been called ugly repeatedly while they've been eating this meal. Have um, you considered yeah. wearing a red leather jumpsuit? <laughs> it's the style! So Ada very suddenly pounds the table and says, There's not enough girls here. I can't express myself properly. I'm Bring Serata and, K- and Kake over here so that I can have girl talk with them right now. And so... They immediately password over to the observation team with Kotohamaru and Mitsuki and Sarada. And Sarada's like, I guess I gotta go. Sure. 
Uh, Mitsuki starts to volunteer, and Kanahama's like, no, we would get too horny for her. We need to stay here. Oh, we would get too let, horny Please don't let them ever say that. Please don't ever let them say that in those words. <laughs> they use, like, the term captive throughout the rest of the captive. chapter, and I'm like, Charm. please use that. <laughs> Everything else is so awful. Oh, God. So, Sumiri gets contacted, too, and she's like, I, 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 all right, well, she asked for me specifically, okay. Delta's like, I can't let you go alone. Let me go. Sumiri is like, no. 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 So, that's that. And then she could die. Well, uh, it's not as simple as that. She's like, if you t- if you try to follow me, I'll turn you off again. Because we control the rights to your consciousness. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got no actual free will. And, and Delta goes, like, you, you meanie. Because this, this is all a big joke. Oh, wacky times at the stealing away someone's agency. Uh, g- good guy facility. <laughs> yeah, the, the professor's just like, oh, 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 I'll keep an eye on her. <laughs> if need be, I'll put her in her box and not let her out. <laughs> Ugh. So... <laughs> I don't. It's almost like they just wanted to explain. Like they were like, "Who haven't I made look like a babbling buffoon yet?" Shikadai agrees to come along. Shikadai, I think I specifically noted for some reason, Shikadai does not react the way that Itojin and Chocho and Delta do when he sees. Yes, we Ada. we did mention last time. I was like, it feels like there's like a weird discrepancy yeah. in people, like who does immediately fall for. And and uh, you know, is this? There's a little bit of uh, you know, is it just because he didn't get a good look at her? Is it because maybe her ability is not affecting him in some way? Maybe this will be you know something where Shikadai gets involved in the plot in some way. So Shikadai says, well, I don't seem to be susceptible to her charm, so I'll come along, too. Turn the page. Ah! Oh, my God! She's so <laughs> and Ada's immediately like, uh, yeah, y- y- can you go home? Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Bye, Shikadai. <laughs> he just didn't get a good look at her before. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I, I also like the idea that, I mean, they knew what she asked for. She's like, I want girls to talk to. And Shikadai was just like, I know how to gossip with these bitches. Oh, Look, I understand how to gossip with girls. Okay. I am Shikadai. And as has been clearly demonstrated in every social interaction I have had in this manga, I understand how to relate to teenage girls. You know, like all those chapters where I've interacted with teenage girls in the manga so far. Me, Shikadai. It's basically right? a Shikadai story when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Published a hardcover not cover novel, the Shikadai story. <laughs> it's like here's what I was doing when all the cool stuff was happening. Uh, when, when trading sh- cards, <laughs> when, when a Shin or whatever his name was attacked the village, and like they were talking about nuclear fission and stuff was going on. So I was eating my breakfast, right? Like some stores. <laughs> some stone cutouts and shit like that it was real wild and then i read everything that happened in the news when i saw naruto on ninja ninja conan later on <laughs> wild this so, is this is my story ada makes some kind of pose i don't know if she's standing up or if she's just posing it's 
her body is in a very weird she's sta- posture. She's standing up, I believe. I, it's it's not I clear. guess. And she's like, oh, th- yeah, let's go. Let's go talk, Sarat and Sumeri. Let's go talk where there are no boys. And honestly, this is the most I have enjoyed Boruto in months. For, like, without, like, irony or, like, loving how bad it is. Or maybe it is loving how bad it is, but I stuff that happens in the next few pages, I literally was like, oh my god, I'm actually having fun reading this stupid series right now. Not talking about it, but actually reading it. I do love, because in a stupid line, they they take the girls over to a room, but we give an establishing shot to see that it's like eight feet from where the boys are, and at no point do they show like no a door closing <laughs> Just like so, Barge is just leaning over the back of the couch, like I want to see what the girls are talking about. Uh, so they're looking over there, and uh, then we cut to Ada's bedroom, where I think she has demanded that the other girls take their shoes off so that they could be in bed together, and they're all holding, hugging pillows. Because this is a sleepover now, and it has to be as stereotypical as possible, as they're all hugging a bed side by side in the same bed. Hugging a pillow side by side in the same bed. This is supposed to be like a nice house, right? Like, why does this room look so shitty? (laughs) All the stone tiles everywhere, yeah. Like, what? Like, fucking poor Samira is like, I guess I'll just sleep next to this fucking wall. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) There wasn't enough floor space that I could roll out of the bed on my side? What is this? The headboard of the actual bed is far too long for the bed. Yeah, it's like you would assume you'd make it thicker and then like recess it and make it like a bookshelf or something. It's just almost like I got this big slab of obsidian. What do you want me to do with it? Like, oh, that'll make a great fucking headboard of my fucking mommy to my tiny little guest house. Kawaki, not Kawaki, uh, Ada t- wants to just talk about her big crush on Kawaki. And honestly, like, it's pretty like normal kind of stuff just like look i like i get i get nervous and weird around him and i can't look him in the eyes and it like kind of makes me happy that i feel that way but also i can't like interact with him properly and stuff and serata is just like what the fuck this is like the most powerful ninja on earth right now and all she wants to do is talk about boys this is kind of stupid uh but meanwhile she's she and sumi are trying meta, not to meta writing at its finest yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> meanwhile, they're trying not to like meet eyes with Ada because they don't want to fall prey to her ability directly. And when Ada makes eye contact with her because she like looks specifically at her, it's like, "What do you think about this?" And Strada talks about you know falling in love in the most vague, "I have no experience because I'm twelve terms possible." Uh, but when she meets Ada's eye, she's like, "Oh my god, I can like feel the force from her." Well, overwhelming me up until Sumire gets Ada's attention and says, hey, so what do you like about Kawaki? Which I'm glad somebody asked the question. I am very happy. And Ada does say, like, well, it's a given that, like, you know, I don't have to worry about him falling prey to my ability. But honestly, I don't actually know why I feel the way I feel about him, which is fair enough. By the way, did you know that Sumire and Serata both have communication ninja abilities? They do. Just so yeah. you know. They, 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 maybe it's come up before. I don't remember it. They start psychically communicating while Ada's literally st- sitting in between them. 
Yes. And Samira brings up the point of like, hey, uh, so don't freak out or anything, but are you like immune to Ada's ability? You're not like reacting the way that everyone else has been reacting around her. And Strahd is like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I Now you mentioned, I guess I am. And Samira says, yeah, and I, I, I don't think I've been affected either. But listen, don't let her know about this. Because if she finds out that there are people around her who are immune to her abilities and thus could potentially be a threat to her, then will A, lose an advantage, and she also might not agree to be in this situation anymore. In a, in a better Which, manga, they would explain why these two can just fucking stare at each other for like five minutes having this conversation while Ada's like, in a better manga, you would show that Ada is clearly daydreaming about riding across like a forest with Kawaki. <laughs> Or something like imagining Kawaki as a, as a unicorn who flies through the air with hers. Yeah, something like that to explain why she's just cool with these two just staring at each other for like three minutes straight. Well, Quinn, she closes her eyes in this one panel, so maybe she just like decides to take a nap. Yeah, uh, she, she's like, "You all bore me." Uh, we get some. More very on the nose, out of nowhere. By the way, Serata, you like Boruto, don't you? Talk, which again, show don't tell. Like, I, I'm not going to say that Serata can't have a crush on Boruto, but it's really weird that the only times it literally ever gets hinted at or brought up are when other people accuse her of having a crush on Boruto. Because again, that's they barely interact. Uh, like, yeah. truly, the only ship in this series that ever has anything really weighing on it is like Kawaki and Boruto. They're the only characters that like constantly interact and have like an evolving relationship. Hell, hell, Kawaki and Ada is a better established ship than Serata and Boruto at this point in terms of stuff purely in the manga. I'm not talking about stuff in the anime because I know that that's been running for every week for like five years or something at this point. So maybe there's more ship teasing in that. I'm just saying, from what we've read, there's like no evidence outside of people saying, you like Boruto, and her being like, what? No, I don't. That's crazy. You're crazy. Come on. Serata is being gaslit into this heteronormative (laughs) ass ship. So. Uh, So Sumire, like, you know, tries to say to Serata, like, look, you got to pretend that you're actually a captive of her ability so that we actually can you know, hide this ace that we've got, basically. And so Saraz is like, oh, yeah, I can't. Uh, oh, being around just makes my heart pound. And, and he gets sad because he's like, oh, I, I can't. I can't have an ordinary boyfriend with this ability. I can't even hope for ordinary friends. And it's like, yeah, in a better series, this would actually be very tragic. But right now, I haven't explored that angle nearly enough. Uh... Stuff gets all this stuff gets passed to Shikamaru, fortunately off panel, so we don't just reiterate all the same points. And there's just a cut to where Boruto and Damon are kind of getting along because they're just playing a fighting game against each other. They're playing uh, Pokemon like, Ninja, it sounds like. Pokemon Ninja. Pokemon Ninja, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what a bizarrely human moment where these two idiots are just playing a video game with each other. Uh, so Shikamaru says, like, okay, well, it's possible that you guys could kill Ada. And if they catch on, they might just kill you because they'll see you as a threat. So don't let on about this. And in fact, don't bring this up to Boruto. Don't bring this up to Kawaki. It's better if you don't tell anyone because the more people who know about it, the more people could potentially leak it. So this has got to be a secret just between the three of us, essentially. Yes. Um, 
But uh, Serata looks at Ada and she says, hey, look, I know that you're not interested in me being like, you know, the most important person in your life. But what if we were to become friends? Would you be okay with that? And Shikamaru and Mihoel is like, you guys can kill Ada. You guys can kill her. You guys can kill Ada. (laughs) Do it, do it, do it. Momoshiki, meanwhile, is talking to himself, which Boruto overhears because they're still connected. And uh, Moshiki's like, ah, I know what Ada's ability is that lets her charm people. And Boruto's like, tell me! No! Fuck you. That's basically it. And then Kawaki realizes, like, wait a minute, Boruto. You've got a look on your face like you're very obviously angrily talking to someone who's not in the room. You're talking to Momoshiki Otsutsuki, aren't you? And so he just goes over to Boruto and starts talking to Momoshiki through him. That's where the chapter ends. Boruto's Boruto's eyes aren't 100% focused right in that last panel. no 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 he looks weird look stuff happened in this chapter that had like potential dramatic consequences and it featured serata being teased as getting to do something so in my book this gets an easy c minus which is the highest grade i've given to boruto in a long time <laughs> put it on the board yeah hi mark um i agree with you. i think this is actually probably one of the better boruto chapters uh minus the very uncomfortable art but unfortunately that is just a series at this point uh so i don't want to dwell on that uh but like i would legitimately i was like you know i liked amato's little moment of humanity i think uh, kishimoto is good at writing about like a parent's connection to their children um it is something he is i think start become very good at so i did enjoy that and like i don't know the girl talk was silly and dumb but like yeah i don't know like two characters you don't do dick are like supposed to be important so it's like oh that's kind of cool yeah. maybe they'll be like hey mitsuki can you get up on the roof and like fix <laughs> fix the cable dish like just so everyone does something to zerk <laughs> mitsuki's like i'm glad i'm being included <laughs> <laughs> but now you gotta stay up there now a little bit to the left <laughs> yeah Okay, wow. I've, Jesus, we spent so long on Boruto, even yeah. though I thought we weren't going That's to. Boruto. Chainsaw Man, Chapter 114. And I would Mario. walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more. The chapter. Gotcha. Endless Aquarium. Uh, they're in a very long hallway that they're stuck in. Uh, Asa is getting increasingly angry at Denji. Denji says, hey, look, I know more about devils than you think. And Asa shoots back with, well, I know more than you. I'm in the Devil Hunter Club. <laughs> Which uh, is very silly. Speaking of the Devil Hunter Club, they show up. Minus, of course, uh, uh, Fami. Uh, because, uh, you know, she's doing all this stuff. Uh, but they have a different member with them. Uh who a lot of people have potential theories on the identity of. Well, we'll talk, which uh, a lot of people think that it might be like she, they might be related to uh, Kobeni because those look like Kobeni's eyes. And that seems like Kobeni's attitude. Uh, very, very nervous. I just like that every, for their life every that. generation has their own Kobeni, just this poor motherfucker yeah. who shouldn't be involved in this. Uh, a couple of different times, uh, the president of the devil hunter club slash student council uh tries to introduce himself uh haruka but the first time he gets uh, interrupted by yoshida and denji's like yoshida what the hell are you doing here it's like oh it's a coincidence i wanted to look like fit i just wanted to look at fish and i came to the aquarium and turns out i got trapped here by a devil uh but the one of the members of the devil hunter club identifies him as you know 
a devil hunter. So there's that. Uh, the potential Kobeni uh, uh, relation uh, freaks out a bit. Uh, they reestablish like, okay, a devil's power is making the hallway go on forever. Uh, Asa is the only one who knows that Fami is related to all of this. Uh, the other's like, oh, you know, there's like an attorney devil that is associated with this and everything. Then Asa remembers as Haruka is like properly introducing himself and being like, hey, we're going to exterminate the devil and we're going to survive this. She thinks, oh, right. He's Chainsaw Man. So maybe if we follow his lead, I can get out of here without turning Denji into a weapon. And actually, if I kill him, I won't need to turn anyone into a weapon. Which, I don't I mean, if you kill... Uh, hmm. <laughs> Bit of weird relation here. Right. But I guess she's determined to kill Chainsaw Man because, <clears throat> you know, he's a Chainsaw Man's an asshole. So. Uh, but then she starts to doubt her abilities to do either of those things anyway. And she starts to kind of lean over, get depressed a little bit. Uh, everyone starts walking. There's just kind of a montage of them trying to, you know, go through the hallway and figure some stuff out. There is kind of a funny moment where you see uh, Haruka get up on one of the other uh, members' shoulders to look through the ceiling. And his head just comes up through the floor of another identical hallway, which is, which is kind of funny. Uh Fortunately, they're able to find a break room or employee lounge of some sort within the stretch of hallway that is looping. And there's drinking water within the refrigerator. And they could just keep on going to identical rooms just like this and get drinking water from them. So I was like, we're not going to run out of water anytime soon. Uh, but uh, the nervous kid says, oh, but we're going to starve to death without food. Oh, right. There's a fish tank right over there. So Yoshida and the other member go and grab some fish and they're like, oh, if we cook these, we can we'll we'll survive for a while. Uh, the kid has a lighter because my bullies make me light their cigarettes, which is very sad. Uh, so they're like, yeah. And if we, you know, if we use some of the newspapers from the lounges, we make like a cooking fire. I mean, yeah, we can cook things. <laughs> Hooray. Asa says, I can't eat fish. And I was like, why can't you fucking eat fish? And she says, it it looks too much like a dead animal and it grosses me out. And all the Devil Hunter Club members and Yoshida just look at her and she gets really, really nervous. Is like, I, I, I need to leave. I need to go outside. And she goes outside and to catch her breath, runs into Denji and they have another Denji and Asa moment, which is like, what are you doing? Denji says, well, there's a 1,000 yen, there's a thousand yen in a bag on the ground, and I was picking it up, which, if he's able to take that outside of the loop with him, I, th well, th I think that'll be great. Just he keeps on going and picking up the same 1,000 yen note. It would be awesome. Uh, Asa calls him a thief, and he's like, it's, it's finders keepers. Fuck you. <laughs> and they just kind of yell at each other. Asa gets mad at him. He's like, fuck hell no, you go to hell they're just pointing at each other yelling go to hell at each other repeatedly because they're children yep essentially so asa's like ah he's the worst maybe i should turn him into open right yoru you're still not there so asa's like okay well i'm not a loser like denji i i, I can contribute to the group and that's when she realizes she's got a cell phone it's a flip phone uh and uh, everyone's like, oh, my God, you've got, a, you've got a phone. And she says, well, it's technically my mom's. But yeah. Uh, 
And while she's looking to get a signal, she thinks, oh, I think it, I actually got, had a bar for a second. And they're like, all right, yeah, let's get us a signal. We can call for help from devil hunters from outside of here. There's There starts to be this celebration. Uh, and and uh, they're like, yeah, we could do it. But as Asa is reaching up to try and get a signal, she loses her balance and falls over backwards and smashes the cell phone on the door behind her and snaps the top of the flip phone off. And it's just broken. Hope stashed. Uh, Yoshida actually kind of laughs again. It. <laughs> it strikes again. <clears throat> yeah, her poor, her poor clumsy uh, behavior. Yeah, also trips a lot. Yoshida laughs a little bit because he's a weird sicko. Uh-huh. But Haruka just <laughs> is just the worst little asshole because he's like, oh man, you complain. You're not a team player. You fail to come through in the clutch. I expected better from you. Just dismisses her outright. And the chapter ends with Asa going outside in the hallway to just put her head Be sad. Be upset. Just uh, She's just sad. And that's the end of the chapter. She's, Asa is sad. The yep. end. <laughs> yeah. Nice chapter. I feel bad for Asa. Yeah. Hey. Feel bad and you're like, I hope her and Dingy become friends. I know they're not going to really, but... Be nice. <clears throat> uh, all right. Uh, Akane Banashi, story 43, Wonder Child. So Akane has gotten through seeing Urara's masterful performance. Now she gets to see Rokuro's performance. And uh, Urara has specifically asked her to pay attention to this. Uh, so, but before we get to see that, uh, we get the reintroduction of Kashio, the journalist who we followed for a lot of the Karaku Cup as he was observing Akane and the other contestants. Uh, he recognizes Akane, comes up to her, introduces himself, and is like, oh yeah, I wrote that article that went viral about you. And Akane is like, can I punch you in the face? <laughs> I do love <laughs> really it. I see. <laughs> is it okay to punch you in the face then? <laughs> Because, uh, you know, from her perspective, the fact that she got that reputation largely as a result of that article going viral has caused a lot of problems for her in terms of the way that she is looked down on by people who are established in the Rakugo world. And uh, Kashio doesn't really understand that at first. Uh, but uh, they get a bit of he gets a kind of a catch up as to why Akane is here right now. He feels bad of that Akane is in that situation. But then he says, but you know, it's actually, it's kind of cool that all this is happening for you because you know, all these rising talents are clashing on stage, which it kind of doesn't really get. Uh, and Kashio just kind of Rakugo fans in the conversation a bit saying, oh, there's these different standards between the different schools that are clashing against each other, tradition versus reform. They're polar opposites. Uh, and it kind of is like, I mean, but they're just like, at the same event. So how is this a, a battle? And Kashia says, well, once you see Rokuro's performance, then you'll probably start to understand. And uh, Rokuro starts to go into his performance, which is called The Carpenter's Inquiry. Features three prime major characters, uh, a carpenter, their boss, and the carpenter's landlord, who uh, have a just a thing going on where when they're trying to like negotiate the rent because the landlord is withholding the carpenter's tools. Uh, and as Akane is watching it, she's like, oh yeah, there's this, you know, nice kind of laid back performance that's going on. And Kashio says, huh, 
Well, Rokuro did say before that today's style was Coltrane. And yes, Rokuro is big into music, specifically in this case, jazz, because Rakugo is sound and it's comprised of tones. And the more that Akane pays attention, she starts to realize, oh, yeah, yeah. So this character kind of mumbles lightly like the drums and the carpenter has a high pitched voice like uh, like the brass. And then the landlord has a quiet voice like the strings. And that's why people are listening so carefully because of the sound of his voice and the way that they all flow together. It sounds like a beautiful arrangement. Uh, but then Kashio says, yeah, but on Coltrane days, his stories are slow and gentle to begin with. And then they go into overdrive in the, in the latter half. And suddenly Rokuro goes from having this just nice conversation with himself to screaming and yelling and his voice gets really, really, really sped up and loud and powerful. Uh, and we get this just full page spread of him just yelling out this paragraph that overpowers people in this huge cacophony. Uh, and uh, Kashio says to Akane on the side, you know, when young Rakugoka appear at Master Urar's events, they either shrink up, or they try too hard, or they suck up to her. Barokuro is different. All he does is try to get the biggest reaction of the day, no matter whom he's performing alongside. And that's how he stood out among all the apprentices at the Kashiwaya school. And it's why they call him the Wonder Child. <gasps> oh. Yep. And uh, so Akane starts to realize, like, I know this must be what Master Urara wanted to see. Uh and then Kashio says, like, oh, you know, Roker actually used to get in all kinds of fights because he's kind of got this combative personality and he would argue with the older apprentices. So in a way, he's kind of similar to you. Uh, people would talk about Rakugo events like they're all the same, but really each have their own style. Some are fun and informal, but others like today's are tense and competitive. And I hope that when you appear in his event, it'll also be tense and competitive. Because that's the kind of Rakugo I got to see at the Karaku Cup. And that's the kind that I think that you're really good at. So Akane starts to get fired up. She kind of gives her bail self a big slap in the face. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go do this. So she's reinvigorated after yes. all that she's been through at this event and talking to these uh, various different people. I want the Rakugo guy who they reveal like what his their specialty is. And they're like, this guy... Do you ever see Police Academy? He does crazy sound effects like that one dude, Peter Winslow. It's okay. wild. It's like he's like, yeah, the helicopter to a story it shouldn't have been a helicopter there, but it legitimately sounded like a helicopter the, was in the room. It takes place hundreds of years before the helicopter was invented, but it's just so impressive. It was, like no a, it was like a feudal Japan story, so no one really questioned when a police siren showed up because like it really did sound like a police siren was there. That's all I had to add. Ugh. Let's talk about Blue Box. B -b 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 Blue Box! B -b 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 Blue Box! Chapter number 82, Where It Hurts. Uh, so, Taiki was on his not-a-date with Chinatsu, and then they ran into uh, Matsuoka, who very obviously was like, oh, you're just Chinatsu's hanger-on <laughs> kohai, you can get, fucking go home now because her real love interest is here. You get, you're just going to get in the way. So you could just, you know, totter off back home. Yeah. And fortunately, Taiki does not buckle he, and he doesn't just take it. Watching that's the way he just says, 
we plan to go out together. You're the one who should, but Shinatsu shows up before he gets super confrontational again. Uh, and uh, so Masuka puts on a happy face. And Taiki's like, he's got the face of a devil. He's just trying. But Shinatsu immediately sees through his act. Uh, and he says, yeah, you look untrustworthy like you always do, basically. Um, uh, there c- continue to be some more like slight barbs from Asuoka towards Taiki about like how short he is. Uh, and he also brings up like, hey, you know, this reminds me of like when we were on the team in junior high and we went to a cafe after practice. We wanted to go somewhere fancy, right? Uh, and Shinatsu tries to include Taiki in the conversation. It's a nice gesture. Like, oh, yeah, this is the place we went to. Are you familiar with it? And Masuko just, like, rides past. like, no, 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 I want to talk about a thing that happened there. You remember when Nagisa tried to look cool by ordering an, espre- an espresso? And Shinatsu, plain smile on her face, says, oh, no, that was Yumeka. Just corrects him. Destroy- <laughs> destroys him in that moment. It is some of the most impressive, subtle conversational ownage that you will see in a shonen manga. Uh, just very, very obvious, yet also subtle. It's great. Um, and uh, Taiki also starts to kind of think about who Yumeka is, but he gets distracted when dessert comes by, which is very relatable. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's so good. wonder who you make it. Oh, my God. This lemon meringue is blowing my mind. And in one of the most precious goddamn moments, Matsuka is trying to be cool and suave and funny for Chinatsu. And because Taiki's having a good time eating dessert, Chinatsu's just looking at him and she's laughing and smiling because he's enjoying himself. It's so goddamn precious. Yeah. Uh, once they're done at the cafe, Matsuoka, uh, tr- ba- again, tries to get rid of Taiki, uh, cause they're like, oh, talk about, uh, oh, we could go somewhere together and stuff. And Chinatsu realizes she's left something in the cafe. Again, Taiki and Matsuoka are alone and Matsuoka barbs him again. And he's like, Hey, you don't have time to be in a relationship, right? Cause you know, you lost to Haru the other day and there's other people that you can't beat. So compared to your teammates, you kind of suck. But me, I'm pretty awesome at basketball. So I can easily handle both. And Taiki just says, I can, be, I can do both too. And Matsuko's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you sure about that? Chinasu mm-hmm. comes back. Taiki is, he, like, he's holding it together in terms of the conversation. But, like, he's very clearly about to lose. He's like, I'm in he's tilted. cold sweat. He, he's tilted. I, I, I just... Hold it together, hold it together. He's holding it together, but this is not having no effect on him. Uh, Matsuoka, uh, Chinatsu starts to say something to him, but then he's like, Oh, I, I just got a text. Hey, there's some upperclassmen at uh, the university who are going to play basketball. So why don't we go, Natsu? Because their team is really good, and I think we would have a great learning experience. And they said that I could invite whoever I want. Uh, and Chinatsu starts to object because you know she'd be ditching taiki but taiki looks at her and says you should go you know it it would be a great learning experience for you so don't worry about me and uh, i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna practice myself so matsuoka like very 
uh, non subtly like reaches out and kind of like turns Chinatsu away from Taiki so that they can go to the Aww. basketball game and ditch him. And Chinatsu, you know, spares a look over her shoulder and she's like, oh, eh. but uh, Taiki lets them go and he thinks to himself, I mean, it would have been nice to go to more places with Chinatsu Senpai, but I also want to support her in her club activities. And if I compete with that asshole, then that's not going to do her any good. And as he's thinking that and he's going to the station, he runs into Chinatsu on the platform and uh, she's uh, looking sad. And so when she turns, she sees Taiki and uh, they, she says, oh, I thought that you had left on the train. And Taiki's like, yeah, yeah, I stopped to wash my hands. I thought you were going to go play basketball. And Chinatsu just has this I don't know how to describe the look on her face. And I will say that that's just a nice thing that kind of keeps coming up in blue boxes that sometimes Shinatsu makes faces that you can tell have meaning behind them. And they're kind of just hard to tell what's going on. In head. I love her expressions. Like I love, like we see that when the, there's like the establishing shot of her on the platform, like a train is leaving. So it's a shot of her looking at the train and then being like sad. Like she really was hoping she kept. Yeah. And she yeah. was, Oh, but in this case, it's like, appropriate that it's harder to tell what's going on because it's literally Taiki's point of view while looking at her. Um, and uh, Chinatsu's like, oh yeah, I just kind of realized that I don't have a proper change of clothes to play basketball. Um, and Taiki just thinks to himself, I'm glad that she came back and we can just, you know, go back home together. And he says, yeah, you know, let's go home together. But he also thinks, I still know that I have a lot to do. But that's not quite the last moment that we end on. Instead, it's someone approaching Nagisa and saying, oh, yeah, I found this photo. Who's that person in number four? And they look at the picture and Nagisa says, oh, that's Yumika. And Yumika is holding a trophy while they have their arm around Chinatsu's shoulders. So indicating that this was someone who had a, so a, a at least a close teammate relationship with Chinatsu. So clearly, if it's this person was close enough to Jinatsu and someone didn't fucking remember them, of course, she would be kind of upset about that. Yeah. But also, Taiki knew a little bit about them. So, well, it's also this is a character who seemingly isn't on the team anymore. So the question has to be like, why yeah. is this person not on the team anymore? So I, it feels like we're about to get like a small little mini arc about this character and potentially some some old wounds that might open up with Jinatsu about it. Yeah, this was a really cool ch little chapter. Yeah, I mean, like it's just like people go into a freaking cafe and having tension between them. But there's a lot of really nice little things going on uh, with the expressions and the way people react to stuff. I loved reading this chapter. Yeah, very, very good. All right, Nick, let's talk about morgues. Morgue! Give me those morgues. Uh. So to just Mark, 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 Mark. So Iroha succeeded and failed to solve the cipher that he was given by one of Toshisai's uh, cohorts last time. He solved it, but not within the timeline that he was given, <laughs> which meant that their competition went to a no contest, and he didn't have to give up the glasses. Yes. Uh, so, but he also has been given this secondary cipher by the other member of that trio, and he has no fucking clue what it means. 
it has been ranked with like the max possible difficulty uh, in the grading system of the series, which finally gets an actual explanation from a little. Uh, there's little bits that are from Kogoe in this chapter where uh, there is an explanation of like, this is what the difficulty rating system basically means. Uh, you know, lowest difficulty means you can kind of just figure it out immediately. A little bit higher means if you just kind of stare at it, you can figure it out. And then max difficulty, but you can't solve it, essentially. Iroha is in class puzzling over this. He is approached by another character who we've had introduced, but only in like one panel so far. Uh, Sunka, who is the class's Gyaru. And she locks giant manacles around Iroha's wrists comedically says, large like these are massive just massive <laughs> and she says uh i'll give you the key to my heart go ahead and choose and she presents him with five keys and says you know i want to see you know i want to see how you manage to uh pull a draw with with uh omomuro and iroha reaches for one of the keys and she's Emilia snatches away the others and is like, oh, yeah, yeah, good job. Yeah. And she you know, just kind of shows off essentially like, hey, look at this. See, see, see. Because uh, Yuroha did successfully get the manacles off. I and she love that every motherfucking kid at this school apparently just has the money to like create yeah. stupid puzzles like this at a whim like i want to see the scene that leads up to this where she's walking through the school with a bag of giant manacles and like a shit ton of keys and someone's gonna go and gonna go and fuck with your own head yeah someone's like what are those for like challenging another student like sounds good to me like the faculty at this school just constantly is just like sounds good to me carry on uh, she goes over to Obero, the, the chuny looking girl. She had to uh, make these keys, Nick, is what I'm thinking. Like, she had, you clearly, she had to make them. <laughs> like, so much work went into this. <laughs> uh, and essentially she explains, because Obero's like, what the fuck was that? And she says, well, look, if you present the keys to someone, that doesn't necessarily mean that one of the keys will get you out of the manacles, but he still arrived at the right answer because he realized that one of the keys was just different from the other four and his instincts gave him the right answer uh, when someone else might have doubted themselves or not seen the difference between the keys. And I will say, I can officially say I solved a puzzle from this series without any hints. I, I realized what the solution was for once. It's like, okay, good. There's a solvable puzzle in this goddamn series. Well, that's the thing, though. She kind of presents the idea that it might not have been the answer because she's like, oh, or maybe the other four keys were the right. And you're like, well, then what is this puzzle about then? It was just a, a, a guessing game at that point. Do I go with the one that's different or do I go with the ones that are all the same? Yeah, so you could have very well had like the general like uh pick up puzzle book kind of solution which is oh you recognize that one of the keys is different from the others because the others are identical or you could have the the logic like well well maybe one of the keys is defective and the other four are the right ones and it's like you know who, how can you say they i get a new assignment from their teacher which is uh based on seating assignments and the class is seating order is going to be decided by a tetromino which is like uh, the way the Tetris pieces appear with the four bricks that take different uh, geometric patterns. Uh, of course, Toshisai is the first person to solve it. Uh, their 
like Iroha kind of like looks around to between a few people, uh, seeing how well they do it. There's tension between Toshisai and uh, a member of the upper class named Nohime, uh, who basically calls Toshisai new money. So Toshisai says, kiss my ass in the most blatant, straightforward way. fucking milks it because every part of it is like ellipses so it sounds like she's like kiss my ass like every everyone heard this (laughs) (laughs) someone's like well i would Uh, reprimand you but i all of our punishments are in the form of more puzzles and i think you'd enjoy that so i guess i'll just stop uh, Iroha opts not to use the glasses to solve this puzzle, uh, both because he doesn't want to become overly reliant on them and also because, like, it's not going to be fun if I do that. So he ends up failing to actually solve it. Uh, and then we get an explanation afterwards of how the puzzle can be solved, which is to essentially imagine the four, the f- uh, five Tetramno bricks being put together into the four by five square that currently determines the class of seating arrangement. And then you use that to figure out which of the squares within each piece represents which of the students, uh, which, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Um, the, uh, they say afterwards, like, okay, so now this was just the, way of determining who gets the first pick of kitty uh of who he's really desperate for attention right now so i apologize a bunch of people probably just heard a lot of cat meowing but (laughs) basically the teacher says okay the person who solved the puzzle fastest gets to choose the first partner for this next team assignment that you have to do uh and then it's like the second fastest gets to choose second and so on and so forth Toshisai won, and she chooses Iroha. And he's, of course, very surprised because uh, Toshisai is not teaming up with one of her normal cohorts. Uh, She explains it as, oh, yeah, well, I uh, thought that uh," she says, like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just looking for someone that I can control, essentially. But she also she says, like, uh, because Iroha says, like, you didn't even know who I was the other day. And Toshisai says, oh, I apologize for that. And I'm, I'm the type of person who learns from my mistakes, basically. And then Iroha brings up, like, that technically she's still supposed to be his slave. And she's like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> she's like, why did uh, I make that deal? And then someone in the corner's like, you didn't really, but, you, you know, whatever. Really. <laughs> uh, this, however, leaves one person unpicked because there's an odd number of people in the class. Ensa Kasuri, who didn't even try to solve the puzzle for some reason. Uh, but Iroha says like, hey, so if it's my turn, then uh, I want to have Kasuri-san on our team. Because, you know, like in this kind of situations, when the class gets divided up into this type of two teams of two in an odd-numbered class, then there's going to be a trio. So I just want to do that. And the teacher's like, hmm, yeah, okay. Uh, Obero is uh teamed up with uh the Gyaru girl and she looks on this act with resentment and says you need to nip eyes like that right away let's kill them with codes right now 
<laughs> They're like, I'm going to shoot a bullet at you. Engraved in the side is a half-finished Sudoku puzzle. <laughs> if you finish it before it ends, the bullet will hurt you. <laughs> Difficulty rating Uh-oh. three, because you can, you could solve it. <laughs> uh, it just they... happens to be on a bullet. <laughs> so solve it really fast, yeah. basically. Uh, They're... <laughs> The theme of the class-leading private selection process is called the Cassettet Quartet, which is very fancy-sounding. Cassettet means, like, brain teaser, essentially. Oh! Uh, look at that. Presumably there's four, presumably there's four parts to it. Look yeah, at that. Uh, this chapter was fun and stupid. Yeah. I liked it. Excellent. Morg, 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 morg. <laughs> All right, let's talk Fabricant about. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Fabricant 100. Uh, hey, look, people that aren't Fabricants, care- more characters? Question mark. Chapter three, those with a shared goal. Fabricant 100 kills another Fabricant after uh, main character decides to act as bait. Uh, then his hand is bandaged up because blackiness. So. Uh, then she goes off in order to throw out his ruined shirt. And while he's just chilling on a bench, uh, he suddenly just blinks and he's been kidnapped. Gasp! He's being held in a car driving down the road. So he thinks, I know, number 100 will just smell my blood and come after me. Slice! Uh, and uh, the guy driving the car is like, oh, oh okay, yeah, you get, you're going to have the fabric track you down. Vroom! Speeds really fast. And, uh, Oh no, are we going to crash into that car? Blink. Oh, we're just in a completely different part of the city. What happened? Oh, it turns out he's just driving really fast and turning really fast. That's it. So it seems like time moves for him. Yes. Okay. He does weird things. Oh, now the blood spread all over town, so number one hover can't find us. Whoop-a-doop-a-doo. Oh, wait a minute. This guy is human. He's not a fabricant. Hey, that's right. I'm not a fabricant. Then why'd you kidnap me? Oh, because, you know, we don't want a kid like you to waste your life trying to go after revenge and putting yourself in danger. I'm Luca, and I'm an adult. Yep. So he makes the very devious decision to say, Ashibi, you're a kid. And uh, you're putting yourself in danger. There is no reason for you to try and do this. You should just try and live a, 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 a happy life to the best of your abilities after this. Forget about having revenge for your family. And I came to your rescue to help you do that. And Ashibi says, no, I need to defeat the fabricants with number 100. I need to slice my wrist more. Well, he bites his forearm. More blood. This will Ooh. solve the problem. Because... I guess there is more intense blood here, and that way, if number one, Harry can find them. And sure enough, she does. And uh, she looks down on them in a way that I'm sure did nothing titillating for anybody and says, did you enjoy your drive? And that's the end of the chapter. Mommy asked you a question, Nick. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, no. So <laughs> it's time to ask ourselves, do you want to keep reading fabricate 100 and i mean look at the end of this chapter is this not a good reason to keep reading it you can stop this <laughs> two gigantic reasons uh <laughs> no i don't particularly look so i'll say this um this was like 
a better chapter than the rest because it like adds this like twisted element where like we are supposed to see this character as both like an ally and also the like the enemy of the series like she is supposed to be like an antagonist because she does want to eventually take our main character rip him apart and use his oh my god professor peanuts why uh and use his his body parts to sustain herself um so it's just an interesting dichotomy you're fine it's an interesting dichotomy uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's such a baby uh so i appreciate that we got that um i just still don't like it though like i, I don't know maybe yeah. it's like the art in this series doesn't like this is actually like a cool scene at the end giant uh knockers withstanding like it is like a more interesting like tone that's been set in this series through the art but like i don't know like the characters like these new characters showed up i was like these just all these characters feel exactly the same to me like i just like they all have the exact same kind of aesthetic energy there is something missing from this manga and i cannot tell you what it is but it lacks the je ne sais quoi uh i feel like if we had started off more on the note of or or even introduce this dynamic in a way that is just more en- engrossing, really. Like, because what really ha- happens here is Luca shows up and just kind of acts as the voice of reality to the situation. And that's just kind of it. There's not really a feeling that Ashibi is like, you don't really sense the problem that Ashibi has with this. Like, we know, of course, it's like, oh, he's been done revenge and everything like that. But I don't see that and I don't hear that when he is objecting to the proposal that is being made to, to him. Yes. Uh, I, I, it, there needs to be some more visceral anger, uh, tor- more of a reaction towards this than just like, well, I'll bite my, I'll bite my arm now. Blah, and that's it. That's, that's just what happens. Yes. So there is something missing. I don't really want to read it anymore. That's it. All right, Nick. Let's talk about that gink and that loon. Giga Luna, chapter 15, Shahirazad and Anemone. Uh, the confrontation with Shahirazad continues after uh, Luna managed to successfully swipe the book away from her. Uh, and uh, she's thinking to herself, while Shirazad is still confronting her, like, okay, I need to get this book out of here uh, because it could potentially restore Ginga's body. But suddenly she buckles and drops the book, and she realizes, oh my god, the book's draining my magical energy. And before she can really do anything about that, Shirazad, uh uses her wand to cast these super sharp threads towards Luna, and chops her body apart, uh, similarly to the way that she chopped up her arm before. And then she kind of just ties all of her body parts into a just vague ball shape and says, yeah, gonna take you home and dissect you. Uh, Luna somehow manages to resist this, despite not having any conceivable way to gain leverage out of this situation, but she manages to still try and tear herself away, but she is in a ball and she can't really do anything about this. So Shahrazad says, all right, look, I want to dissect your body. That means I've got no need of your actual mind, though, and starts to do something to her head. But then Anemone, who had been watching things from around the corner, appears. And though terrified, she 
makes herself a human shield and says, stop this. Uh, and we get a flashback to Anemone's past with Chahirazad to where she and one of her friends were fucking human experiments for this mad scientist type lady. Uh, they were deceived, taken in as foster kids, uh, and were just used as magical experiments. And Anemone uh, had this friend who uh, stood up to Shirazad and was turned into mushrooms. Uh, yay! And uh, apparently, like, their dreams were exploited because they were told that they could become master magicians, they could make a better life for themselves. This girl was the one who first braided Anemone's hair. Uh, and uh, now she's fucking dead. And that's it. Yay! Uh, and that's not a anemones. good thing. Yay! <laughs> so, Anemone refuses to let Luna be hurt, and she says, I'm not going to abandon her just to save myself. I'm not going to budge. So fucking Shahrazad gouges her eyes out with her fingers. Just no hesitation, <laughs> does it, and says, oh, yeah, look, remember what I told you? Naughty girls who don't listen get punished. What do you say when you've done something wrong? You say, I'm sorry, right? Tell me you're sorry. And uh, Anemone still refuses to back down, even though she's got, you know, blood coming from her gouged eyes. It's a very and quick, she's... like, holy shit. Yeah. And then you're like, well, that'll be the craziest thing that happens to her eyes, certainly, in this chapter. Uh, and she says, you're the one who should be sorry. You deceive people. You toy with them until you murder them. So you say you're sorry and you tell it to this totem, which uh, I don't think we get a great look at it, but it belonged to the girl that, uh, you know, she befriended, I think. Uh, I think we see that in one of the panels. But yeah, yeah, she gives it to her uh, when she's dying. Uh -huh. um, so... Shahrazad uh, is going to <laughs> kill Anemone by putting fuses in her eye sockets until they burn down and explode her body. Yeah! Um, it's such and, a uh, wild moment as she's like, oh god, my eyes are bombs, and fucking uh, Luna is just like tied up with her body, and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> So Luna's disgusted with Shahrazad and says, so if you don't like something, you just twist it or destroy it. And Shahrazad says, yeah, that's that's how magic works. And Luna thinks for a moment and she says, I grew up on a snowy mountain, but I never used my magic to melt the snow. I chose to make myself stronger against the cold. And then when I did, I realized how good cold snow feels and how beautiful it is very beautiful little sentiment in just like a couple of sentences there yeah. and so Shirazad's like eh whatever gonna kill you now <clears throat> points her wand but Luna says no you don't understand you just can't see it and Ginka has reared up behind Shirazad with a freaking thunder fist ready to go and says what the hell are you doing before punching her through the wall <laughs> um yeah and uh he diffuses and yanks out the the fuses on uh anemone's eyes uh beretta fortunately thought to run off and get ginka to, for help and she comforts anemone now while ginka turns to confront shahrazad as he says you listening 
I'm the magician who's better than you, and I will make you bow down before me. This chapter fucking rules. <laughs> it's wild. It's a wild chapter. Uh, what a roller coaster. I loved it. All right, uh, Nick. It's time. <sighs> I have a puzzle for you, Quinn. For me? Okay. I have a puzzle for you. Passably perseverant competitor pitches plotline with portly paramour. Oh, is going to... is this uh, Mandy Rose? It is. Got it in one. Yeah. Okay. There, there's no reason I brought up Mandy Rose <laughs> in particular. None. She's doing very well from ever. what I understand. Apparently. <laughs> I don't know all the details of that story. I just know they were like, she's making a lot of money now. And I'm like, good for her. Yep, she's making a lot of money uh, doing sexy things that uh, we're not making money off of, and we can't let that happen. Speak for yourself, Nick. (laughs) You just search the right keyword. You'll find it. No, no, no. I I mean, like, that's why she got fired. Oh. uh, Is that they weren't making money off of it specifically. So there you go. All right, Nick. I've got a minute on the clock. I have a wrestler. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yes. All right, go. Are they an active wrestler? Not really. Okay. Uh, are they a Hall of Famer? No. Okay. Uh, so, is it Goldberg? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> All right. Have they wrestled for WWE in the past uh, three years, give or take? Yes. Okay. Uh, are they? Are they over the age of fifty? Uh no, I don't believe so. No. Okay, are they under the age of? Oh, if you're not sure, never mind. Are they? A, I, I know what they are. A celebrity? Uh, no, they're not okay. a celebrity. They're a wrestler. Uh, all right. Not really active though. Okay, so are they out of their out of not signed to anyone right now? Yes. Have they wrestled for WWE in the past calendar year? No. No. Okay. Oh. I'm going to have to just think about that for a second. I don't have any questions to narrow that down. That sucks. All right. Okay, that's, that's, time. that's the time. Um, all right. So they have not wrestled with the past calendar year. They're just not currently signed to anyone. They're not over 50. Not not anyone that I could find. We mean, oh, we mean not that, that you could find on, on which. I, I have I've not been able to find if they are wrestling for any company. If they are, it is. If it they is, are. It is very okay. minor. Okay, so it's, I'm almost tempted to say Ryback, but I think he actually <laughs> retired. So <laughs> you never know. Uh, okay, not in the past year, so probably. I, it really upsets me that they're in a not really active capacity. Is it? You know what? I literally can't think of anyone better for this than Ryback, so I'm just going to go with that. I don't think that's right, though. It is not Ryback, unfortunately, Nick. Who was it? 
This was Levi Cooper, a.k.a. Tucker, from WWE's Heavy oh Machinery. Oh, my God. I would have <laughs> I thought never in a million years. For the drama, I was like, I have to have Nick lose. So who's the most fucking obscure wrestler I could think of? I was like, the man never held a, a mainline title except the 24-7 title. I was like, I, I, I would never have guessed this person. <laughs> Uh, funnily enough if there were a time to do it it would have been after i referenced i know i got so (laughs) nervous when you did that i was like no (laughs) it worked so hard i was like i really scoured i was like who the fuck is like the hardest person i could think to guess um the reason i wasn't sure honestly I, I had been planning since like last week that Mandy Rose and that storyline was going to be my clue to you. The entire time I was thinking over like, what are P words I can put in this puzzle? Not once did I think of Tucker <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> uh, the only reason I, I wasn't 100% certain uh, is because he said his plan was to eventually get back into wrestling in 2022. And I was like, I don't find any record of him being in any company, but he, I don't know, he might be doing like small house shows maybe or something like that i couldn't i couldn't find anything that said he was back but i did find something that said he planned to be back the only other thing that i might have guessed was i would have probably guessed mojo raleigh before him because same same kind of situation but this brings all right drama nick next week me with a stump all the marvels you either get a pizza or the audience picks a recommendation. <laughs> Such weird stakes. <laughs> oh, this. Uh, yeah, by the way, I guess that technically I can't choose what series we're going to cover next because I don't know if I'll have the right to do so. I mean, you choose the like, whatever we recap, we pick for a recommendation now. But then after that, we'll we'll figure it out. I haven't gotten one picked out anyway yet. So. Oh, no. Uh, PPP, PPP. Chapter 62, beginning to think by stopping thinking. Ah, uh, what a mind bender. Sadame, uh, we're in the aftermath of the competition and the death of uh, Lucky and the Satuplet's mother uh, and just kind of like catching up with certain people. Uh, Sadame has found a church where he heard piano music playing. And when he goes inside, oh, there's Gakuan Odogami just there. And now he's not. He walks out straight past Adame, and there is barely any recognition of the fact that he was there when this scene began. Because what happens is Saddam has a conversation with the person who had been playing the piano, which was Sorachika. Uh, and Sorachika doesn't even remember who Saddam was, doesn't even remember his name. Uh, he's like, hey, why are you here? And uh, Saddam is like, oh, uh, well, I'm here. So you were playing Tempest. Uh, and Sarachika says, yeah, there was no fantasy when I was playing, right? I'm practicing specifically to not do that. And Sadame asks, why? Sarachika lies down on one of the pews and takes a nap because he has no interest in talking to this guy, I guess. So uh, Sadame asks, like, hey, why'd you disappear after the event? Were you just bored? Hello? Talk to me. And Sorachika says, well, no, the world is interesting for the most part. You know, no matter how much you think you know, there's always going to be something you don't know. It's impossible to know everything about yourself, right? Like, which cells are where in your body? 
How many cells do you have? All right, calm down. You need to stop. You need to Star Chica, stop right now. I don't need to. Uh, but Sarchika says, you know, in particular, the brain is a mystery to people because it can make us feel, put us in certain moods, break us down with mental illnesses. It has so many powers. We need to understand everything about the brain or we'll never understand psychology or the occult. All right. Um, having studied psychology, A, you're wrong about that first point. You can't understand psychology without understanding the brain. It just depends on your approach to psychology. If you have a biological pro- if you have a biological approach to psychology, then yes, you will never understand psychology without understanding the brain. But if you have a behavioral approach or a cognitive approach or anything like that, then you can in fact do so. Uh, but anyway, the occult. Excuse me. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, so Sarsi Chica says at the event. I didn't speak to him through my piano, but he had a conversation with my feelings. Sorchika seems to be speaking of the other lucky in this case. And so Sorchika says, you know, I wanted to think about why that was. So I wandered around, but since I'm not a genius, I couldn't figure it out. And Sadame is like, what do you mean you're not a genius? You're, you're a genius with the piano. Sorchika literally says yawn. Uh, <laughs> And then Sadame recalls being told by the headmaster of the school that he's a genius at studying. And Sadame says, well, do you, so I'm a genius at studying. Do you think it suits me to keep studying the piano playing of a genius pianist? So I wanted to kind of decide this on my own, but I was thinking about it. And it kind of would scare me to hurt someone who's more fragile than Fanta by copying their style just for fun. I don't want to study them to death. I just like to study geniuses who bring me joy. And Sorachika says, when you evoked Fanta's theme park, I thought it was a genius of replication, but your reproduction is like feeling with logical output. So if he comes out, you should study him. And if he hates it, he'll retaliate without holding back. So you won't need to worry about it. If you succeed, you'll get a Nobel Prize and your photo will be in all the textbooks. Oh, that's nice. All right. <laughs> so Sadami is like, what are you talking about? Who is he? <laughs> so Sadami, as Sorachika leaves, thinks to himself, I have no idea what he's talking about. Awesome. <laughs> I'm glad he's happy. Yes. He puts Sorchik in his sights and he thinks, there is no way I'm not going to study him. And in his sights, Sorchik is surrounded by all these question marks because he's such a weird, weird enigma of a person. Yes. Uh, I, I like how weird he is. All of these people, honestly, in this moment, very strange. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll just skip on by without mentioning then the last chapter turns out <clears throat> Mimin and Mimosa were making very big plans to uh, make Meloli rather not Mimosa Mimin and Meloli were making big plans to go and meet each other isn't that nice Aww. Uh, yep so They're girlfriends yeah mm. uh, do you want to talk about I've already, got, I've already got one piece on 
I've already got uh, pizza on the line, so I'm not going to make another bet based on uh, uh, okay. over that. So. <laughs> Nick's like, I'm about to get pizza, and I cannot wait. Uh, let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles, Nick. This is chapter 137, though I'll briefly uh, refer back to 136, where Mash shows up, whoops Doom's ass, and then keeps doing like the get-up motion so he can whoop his ass again because he was mean to his friends. It was fucking awesome. Uh, it's pretty cool. He's basically continuing the same thing here. He's like, get up. I want to whip your ass again. But Doom goes 90% and he's just starts crushing Mash. He like grabs his face and slams him into the wall and he's just doing it over and over again. It's like, oh no, is even Mash doomed for this? And the dust clears and Mash is fine. And they're like, how? And he's like, I basically like broke my fall every time before it happened by just like touching the floor and smashing it and thus i'm fine everyone's like how the fuck is this possible so mash because he's mash yeah. <laughs> so mash starts getting ready and we cut to melia duel uh or melia ghoul uh melia and she's like mash had two weaknesses before the first was that he always held himself back for the sake of the person like out of concern for his target and the second was that he would train randomly without a solid understanding of how the body works. Like, he knew the muscles, but he didn't necessarily know the motions. So, we have taught him all of this, and we see Mash going through the whole thing, like a left shoulder extension, left elbow bent, you know, forearm twist, and Doom's just like, you're open, slash him, Mash doesn't even care. And Melia Duels is like, knowing the body allows one to maximize its capabilities to an incredible degree and mash uses his biomechanics cannon which is the very fancy way to say he knows how to punch really good now <laughs> he punches really 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 hard yeah and punches doom straight through the wall like straight through multiple walls like he goes through and you see like the seven walls shattered and everything like that and they're like holy shit that's crazy if doom gets up from that but nick Come on, Nick. We haven't seen 100% yet. Not, we have, we so, haven't seen Taguro use 105% yet. Yeah. So Doom gets up and starts walking. And he's just like, you know what? I'm at 90%. This is the best you could do. I expected better. I'm disappointed in you. I thought you'd be a match for me, but this ends here. And it matches. Um, no one asked you to force your expectations <laughs> on me. Save your... <laughs> Save your disappointment for your lover, not me. You're making this weird. <laughs> and that is so stone cold savage of a lie. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Yeah, I mean, it. the first part of it is very typical mash and just in terms of like, pointing out how rude it is to do certain shonen trash talk is like no one asks you to set your expectations against me that's just like really presumptive but then he talks about like i'm not doing this for you you're making this weird you're creepy it's the save your disappointment for your lover not me and you're like i'm did he imply doom is an unsatisfying lover like holy shit man i know you guys don't get along but that's still family you can't do him like that all he knows how to do is get really big yeah so oh holy shit really fucking great really fucking great <laughs> 
Uh, the, oh, cha- the chapter yeah, just yeah. ends with Doom being not saying anything and Finn being like, oh, now you've done it. Yeah. Doom makes one of those like, mm, faces. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how fucking great would it be if he just started crying? <laughs> He's just like, no. <laughs> I'm a good lover. Elusive, elusive Samurai. Last chapter ended with the gang bringing down Imagawa. <coughs> uh, Fubuki managed to do this crazy cross sword technique to kill the hell out of him basically um and uh we get an explanation of like the sword technique that fubuki does as there's kind of like a break in the in the action and he's just explaining how he did it to kojiro and akiko and uh he says like yeah you know it's quite flashy and requires skill so you don't have a lot of chances to actually do it and the two of them are like how is it actually even physically possible that he did that at all no uh tokyuki is very proud uh, Genba, however, just kind of thinks about how, like, oh man, even but even a guy like this can't get ahead without good lineage, not even if he served the Ashikaga. Yorishige pops up and uh, pulls Genba aside uh, to where they have the Tengu tied up and they're like, look, we've been starving him so he would divulge information but it's been six days. Uh, he's, like, completely unresponsive though he, although he is alive but we can't untie him. So Genba is like, I'll use my amazing interrogation technique of farting in his face. Yes. And uh, because this, you know, yep. It's weird. I feel like I should be laughing hysterically at this. But maybe there's a small part of me that's like, no, you're too old to (laughs) die this. Please (laughs) hold it together. Uh, So, um, after farting in the Tengu's face, uh, Gemba leans over him and says, "You failed to spot our preparations, so you've lost face with your with uh, your your group. So, and you must be pretty low status in the, to begin with to have to be assigned to this kind of work. You're going to get killed by the Ashikaga, so you should serve our commander." Uh, and Yoshige objects as Gemba starts to cut him free, and Gemba's like, "He doesn't need this. Look, uh, our lord doesn't care about lineage." He just likes retainers with skills. If you serve him, it'll be much more dignified than suffering under Ashikaga cruelty. And then something bursts out of the the Tengu's body, flies up into the air, uh, and everyone's like, what the hell? He got got away. Uh, And Gemba says, this is a dummy made of animal sinew. Uh, So, and that explains how he was able to move in such weird ways before. This is actually some sort of strange suit that he controls with sinews. And he actually survived by eating the sinews within the false body for the past six days. Uh, We get a brief shot of the actual form of the ninja, who is much smaller uh, and has much more effeminate looking features. Uh, And they're really, really pissed off. About Gimba farting in their face. Understandable. Yeah. Normally you have to pay for fetish content like that, but this person had foisted upon them. Not a fan of it. Uh, I, by the way, this is actually not Yurishige. I mistook them because everyone wears the same fucking hats in this goddamn series <laughs> and I can't tell them apart. <laughs> Yurishige is with uh, Tokiyuki. No, see, uh, his hat's even be- fancier. It's bigger, see. It is. It is. Uh, and he just, you know, indicates like, yeah, you know, the fight, the battle is, is going well, but, uh, the, our soldiers are exhausted, although our morale remains high. Thanks to you. Uh, if we didn't have to fight, we would reach Kamakura in a single day. 
And Toki starts to get excited over the prospect of returning to Kamakura, which he's been longing for for the past two years. Uh, and Yoshiga says, we will not arrive until we have defeated Tadayoshi Ashikaga. Uh, so Uesugi and... Uh, uh, God, I keep on forgetting his name. The young uh, Magojiro is, is their name. Uh, they report back to Tadayoshi about how the battle went, how they lost Imagawa. And Tadayoshi says, I'll take the field as a general. You two are dismissed. As he leaves, uh, Mag Magojiro goes to chase after him. And it's like, look, you know, we've lost these great generals who fell in service to the Ashikaga. But you haven't shed a single tear. How are you not sad? And Tadayoshi says, I am not sad, Magojiro, because you will grow to take their place. Your lineage is impeccable. You surpass me in talent. But... If you continue as you are now, you will only grow up to be an average general. You manipulate other commanders. You pulled frivolous stunts. You fell apart over casualties. These are all childish behaviors. And with Shibukawa's death, you have tasted cruel defeat. Shibukawa excelled with the pen and sword. He was perfect to raise the next generation of Ashikaga. And now you must learn to compensate for his loss. And Magojiro asks him, like, wait, so you sent me with them in case Shibukawa died? And Tadayoshi says, youth no longer rules Kamakura. You must mature. You and your peers raised funds for Kamakura. You seize the attentions of the daughters of rich men, and I have used them to secure ties with Kanto's elite. And apparently, all this was with within his machinations. And he says that Kamakura requires stricter methods, and you have the potential to govern but you must develop your talents and just, you know, walks away from this conversation with a child and says like, yeah, be better at war kid. So that's good. Stop sucking. Uh, Magojiro is, yeah. Magojiro is in awe over Tadayoshi, just looking and predicting all this stuff and all, how far his in, inside is, reaches basically. And he also realizes that this man would not mourn my death but he takes my future more seriously than I do, so I must swear allegiance to him. And we get one of the, you know, modern-day comparisons that have come up in Elusive Samurai frequently of like, oh, this is kind of like what he would be like in today's setting. Tadayoshi would be a masterful politician. You know, he's great at manipulating people, seeing the big picture and using everything to uh, assure his side's strengths and everything. And now he steps forward onto the stage as a general in front of all these troops, and everyone knows what's going to happen now. Like, all right, the, 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 the Tokyuki's forces are on the way. We're going to hunker down in Kamakura. We're going to prepare for a siege. We've got mountains on three sides. And so when we attack the Hojo here, we, we had to really pay dearly for it. But now we're the ones defending and we can hold out for reinforcements. So we're ready. Just give us the orders so that we can defend this place. And Tadayoshi says to everyone, we're going to ride out and meet them outside of Kamakura. And everyone's shocked by this. And uh, you're kind of waiting for the reveal. Like, oh, was Tadayoshi planning? And then the narrative says, Tadayoshi was a shit warrior. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> understand warfare. That's why. So, well, big twist. Oh, look at all the great smart things that Tadayoshi's doing. Also, he is dumb. So, yes. There we go. There we go. Indeed. Um, this fine chapter. Got, got, got some good stuff in it. I dig it. Good. Yeah. Good moments. 
and some farts. So yeah, and uh, oh, the farts are classic. Really, you know, the true tre- the true treasure we found was the farts along the way. That's what I appreciate. Nick, we have to talk about our favorites from the week, and I know it's we tough. Do. I know I it's to tough to pick. Them. So, you know, I'm going to give you a moment, let you figure out your thoughts, really workshop them. Okay, is this really, really just like, imagine, serious? Just, been... j- just imagine saying Cypher Academy over and over and over. Just mouth it. Cypher. <laughs> and then character of the week, of course, Morgs. Didn't even know they didn't appear in this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even get mentioned. The person obsessed with them was barely in the chapter. Um, um, oh, my, favorite chapter this week was, my favorite chapter this week was Ginka and Luna. Uh, oh. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, very, very, very honorable mention to Blue Box, which was insanely good this week. Um, but uh, I just liked how insane Ginka and Luna got. I guess I'm going to give my character of the week uh, to... Oh, oh this is kind of hard, actually. Um, like Because there's a few different characters that I kind of want to give it to based on the quality of the chapter and their role in it. Um, but then I could give it to... Morgs. You could give it to Morgs. Yeah, I could. I could. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Chinatsu. Okay. Uh, it's a very weird chapter to do that for because, like, she doesn't God, do anything I, big, I to- but I, there's a lot of really cool little things she does. I totally see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give my character of the week to Mash, kind of as like. He was really cool this week with a great line. And also, like, as a follow up to like last week, he was phenomenal. So it's a little bit of a combination of both of those. Uh, but my chapter week, I'm going to give to Blue Box. I really, really enjoyed that chapter. It was very, very sweet. It was really good. So that's yeah, there was that. Quite a few good stuff. Uh, the audience agreed with Mash for Character of the Week and then picked Akane Banashi as their chapter of the week. Yeah. There was a pretty high mark overall, I would say, for a lot of the manga this week. Not um, a lot of Cypher Academy votes. Oh, there is one. I do see one Cypher Academy vote. No Morg votes, though, which is curious. But all right. Look, guys, you got to get the votes in for Cypher Academy <laughs> early because they're only going to go up in value and they're going to be more difficult to acquire. Yeah. So <laughs> you want to be on the ground floor of Morgs, you know, because <laughs> they're just going gonna... to say you. <laughs> They're just going up. Your Cypher Academy vote will be your own personal friends. You can't. I can't. I can't. All right. Guys, thank you for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show Wednesday evenings, usually around 730 Eastern time. Uh, we record the show here on twitch.tv slash T. And you can also check out the recording on weeklymongerecap.podbean.com, as well as a lot of different podcasting platforms. Spotify, iTunes have the episodes as well. Video versions are on youtube.com slash weeklymongerecap, where you can also see the tile cards made for us by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can find wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet. Check out, look for an account named Steve Mann Art. Uh, and uh, also, if you watch the recorded video version, you can see the great <laughs> opening sequence made for us by Wensleydale Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz. Thanks, guys, for doing that. Be sure to follow us on social media for updates on when the show goes live via WMR Podcast uh, or join the Discord server where you can just get live updates on how things are going with that, have conversations with people about the recommendation that we've taken, uh, the series that uh, we're 
you're working on covering and the series as the chap new chapters are released. You can also use that to find the Google Doc maintainment in Jack's 3i that keeps track of all the recommendations that people want us to cover and add your vote to one of them or make your own suggestion to add to it. And also, we're coming up on the end of the year, so uh, if you want to take part in some of those community-voted uh, year-end awards, now's the time to do so. Yeah, go ahead and do it. It's going to be a fun time. You'll enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll cover those I... kind of things in the uh, annual recap episode that we'll do soon. Ninja put together, like, Ninja is astonishing, uh, does, like, uh, elaborate polls uh, to, like, narrow down choices. And one was like, what's what was the best Spookmaster General poll? And like, I went into it. And I was like, I because I forget everything I say, but I went through it. And I was like, Shibaraki you, was you, a really good one. You forget, <laughs> you, for, you, you forget uh, everything that the Spookmaster General says. I should say. Sure, yeah, and that too. Yeah. <laughs> and they, that they, too. they leave your body, and yeah, yeah, yeah they transcend out. Uh, not, <laughs> I was about to be like through the face, but no, <laughs> I shit them out. Into the toilet, that I expel them like a waste from my body, a toxin, and then I am then free. They spend the entire rest of the year crawling out of the sewer system to try and find you. Just trying to come up with shitty puns. Dump, dump. Hey, we got there. Better than most of the puns. Anyway, I saw Shivaraki on there. I was very impressed of myself all over again. I was like, look at you, Quinn. You came up with one good one. And then the rest of it's like, one's just like Tokibuki. And they're like, I assume they mean Tokubuki, but they said (laughs) the wrong character's name. And I was like, whatever, fuck you. Look, it's it's occasionally you just find the diamond in the rough, and that's yeah. what makes all the rest of them worth doing. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again soon with more manga. Or we won't. Might never see us again. Well, one would hope. You know, I want to get that pizza bed slash, you know, community voted uh, recommendation stuff oh, done like i had to really think you about... imagine if we like just like never never <laughs> got past the cliffhanger just like ended right there just, ooh, I, I really have to think who it's gonna be like it's gonna be a challenge now i gotta put a lot of thought yeah. into it and not just pick goldberg just... <laughs> <laughs> just first question can bret hart resist talking <laughs> shit about them for five minutes <laughs> No. <laughs> so right. be, it would have been quicker if you just asked, is it Goldberg? But you didn't narrow it down one. very well. <laughs> it's just as effective at a question. <laughs> it is. All right, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>